Season's beatings. Ding, ding. UFC's last card. Top rank Francis. Bellator undead. King Mike. All that and more tonight on Scrapcast. Again, Scrapcast in your area. As always, your host, Ace, Mr. Will. Mr. Will, how we doing? Good, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. All right. So, been a minute uh, since the last time we got to get together to do this. Everybody is already pretty much, you know, knows what the deal is. We're fucking consistent as fuck. <laughs> fucking um, back by popular demand. <laughs> um, but, uh, nah. Fucking holidays, all that shit. Fucking... Work, females, you know how it goes. Yeah. It's fucking, yeah. It's fucking life. It is life. It's life in the fast lane. Um, so, yeah. Anything we need to talk about before we get into it? Let's just get right into Let's it. Let's fucking dive right into this shit. Fuck round one. Fight night just this last weekend. UFC fight night China was supposed to be UFC China. Yep. And for some reason, it got moved to the apex. Song Yadong. Um, I was going to say putting it on. Chris Gutierrez, but I don't know if that's necessarily the truth of the story here. Um, I think that Gutierrez looked really good in the first couple rounds um, of the fight. I thought that he was fighting on the stand-up and dictating a lot of, you know, the exchanges. Was I thought he was getting the better of the exchanges in the fight. And he, or maybe not the first two rounds, definitely the first round. But then somewhere... Oh, no, because it went five rounds, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah. the first two rounds. But then somewhere in that fight, he was like, his focus, he lost his focus. He was yelling at people, um, you know, in the, uh, like, people that were heckling from the audience. He was not listening to his coaches. Yeah. And then he just made a series of, continued to make a series of mistakes where Song Yudong was able to capitalize on him, get the takedowns, um, you know, put ground and pound on and get a, concise decision yeah so that's what and you know song is known for his stand-up and his power and you could tell that he was trying to display that and find that shot early on but i I feel like as soon as he realized he could get chris down when he wanted to and control him that was the turning point he was like i only need to stand up as long as i need to until i can get him back down and i can confidently start pocketing these rounds exactly you know yeah and that could have also been what led to um, the frustration by Gutierrez because up until that point, um, he really wasn't able to get the takedown. He wanted to try to knock him out on the feet, and Gutierrez was doing a really good job of keeping the distance, using his feet mm-hmm. almost like a jab as sense, and then being able to strike Song when he wanted to and stay away from a lot of the power punches of yep. Song. Um, so, yeah, interesting fight. Uh, not so interesting was the was the co-main. Um, I don't. I thought it was pretty interesting. No, 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 That's no, a... no. It was, but here's the thing: like, the main event was kind of hard to tell what was going to end up happening. Right. This fight had the writings on the wall from the beginning. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't bet on Khalil Roundtree to get a fucking KO, I mean, you missed out. I mean, it was. 
I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Everybody knew that fight. Even even afterwards, fucking, there's those clips of uh, Biz being watching it and seeing Anthony Smith, his commentate, his uh, podcast partner, get knocked down. Mm-hmm. He was like, I just got to come out and say this. I didn't like that fight from the beginning. You know, I never played. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, dude. Because as soon as I seen that, that that was the fight, I was like, uh, wait, take my money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, um, that's one of those images that'll stick around forever for anyone that saw the fight after Khalil Roundtree got the knockout in the third round. Mm-hmm. He, he was, he was posing like, because he didn't want to throw that follow-up oh, shot. Right. Oh, so yeah. like, but he, but he could have, cause the ref didn't immediately jump yeah. in and Anthony Smith wasn't out cold, No, but everyone knew this fight was over. Right. Yeah. And you didn't want Anthony Smith taking more punishment. So he's just, you didn't. <laughs> 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 um, Okay. All right. I, I did I didn't want to see him land that punch. I did want to see him land that punch. But in hindsight, it looks so much cooler that he was like he had his fist raised yeah. top of his head, yep. and he walks over and he doesn't throw it. Yes. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Very honorable, very and, and here's the thing too. Like we've been seeing this evolution of Clil Roundtree for years now, right? He started as um heavy handed striker. And then went and started doing the Muay Thai. Yeah. Then came with the nasty leg kicks mm-hmm. and then worked on that, but still had some holes in his game and made it more well-rounded. And the performance that he put on against Anthony Smith, I mean, Anthony Smith looked the best in that first round that I had seen him in a long time. He was being aggressive. He was coming at him. He was, you know what I'm saying? He was trying sure. to figure out the fight in a lot more of his fights than I've seen him. And uh, Roundtree just, he looked like, not perfect, but like as close to perfect, really, as you could with everything considered. I mean, I, th- I thought he put on a, a hell of a performance. He did. He did. He picked his shots really well. He fought really smart. And, um, yeah, Anthony Smith was very aggressive. He was really pressuring. And Khalil Rountree was able to negate all of that and impose his will. And just land those bombs. And, and you could just tell you could tell that Khalil knew it was coming. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, he as soon as he started touching him, you could tell he was getting that distance down. And he knew that he'd be able to throw with bad intent yeah. and land yeah. eventually. Exactly. And there was a point in that fight where he had, um, where Khalil had hit um, Smith and had wobbled him, mm. kind of done the stanky leg, like he ended up in the at the end of the fight. But yeah. then he went, you know, down to the ground. Um, and when that happened, I think it was in the first round. When that happened, I was like, oh, like. It's so funny after like watching so many fights and stuff. I'm like, is 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 he is it real? Is he playing possum? Like, is he trying right. to is he trying to dope him into something right. and then go for something? Like, and that's what. And then at the end of the fight when he did it again, but then he 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 lost his equilibrium and went down. And mm-hmm. then Khalil didn't follow up. It was like, yeah, that was probably real. From the <laughs> yeah, beginning, probably you know? was. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, great performance by. Uh, Nasrat fucking taking out Malarkey. I know. I fucking called that. I used to have high hopes for Malarkey. Did you? <clears throat> I did. I oh, did. Wow. I thought he was one of those up and comers. I know we talked. I talked about it on this show. I thought that he was going to be one of those guys that got better as we saw him in every fight and had all the tools. But it it has not worked out well for Jamie Malarkey. No, no, it hasn't. Um, but making a comeback of sorts was Tim Elliott putting it on. Um, yeah, dude. Came in short notice and put it on the younger fucking. I know um, it's toted. like he should only fight short notice, Tim Elliott. Yeah, I mean, you there's know? nothing wrong with it. And but here's the other thing too: like you got to think about like the guy he was fighting didn't have any level 
of the experience of Tim Elliott, right? There's really not in this weight division. There are very few guys that even have that come close to that. You know, right. most of those fighters quit fighting. I mean, as many times as they've washed the division, they've mm-hmm. you got rid of it in the UFC. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's just not those guys that are still there. But he's one of them, and uh, for him to come out there and put on that kind of performance and get a submission in the first round, like, hats off to him. I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen. Um, no, but, I didn't think it was going to happen either. Yeah, but that was but that was awesome. Um, I mean, we got to get into it. It was on the fight card. Um, some fucking horse shit, bullshit, fucking stupid ass, fucking shitty ass, fucking re- uh, judging, judging. Yep. is what it was. Um, from the Park Munez fight. I mean, we were talking about this just before the show. I don't know how the fuck Munez got the decision again. And yeah, it fucked my parlay up, but that's besides the point, okay? The, what I'm what I'm talking about is, is fucking Park was, you know, connecting, was able to strike on Munoz. Munoz did nothing with his positioning, was able to get the takedown and even the back positioning and did nothing with yeah. it. Didn't land any strikes, no. didn't threaten with any submissions, no. did absolutely nothing. And as far as, you know, we've been talking about with the judges scoring criteria moving forward, you don't getting the takedown and just getting positioning is not enough. If you're not doing something with it, then it's not effective. It's it's effectively its own reward. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you got the takedown. Cool. Yeah. Now you're in a position to do some damage. Yeah. Yeah, you're in, you know, you had a lot of control time. Cool. So you had a lot of opportunities to do damage. Exactly. And you didn't. And you didn't. And yet he still got the decision. Yeah. And he was able to get up. He was able to get, Junyun Park was able to get up multiple times, was able to get reversals. And every time he was on top in control, he, he was made beating him pay. the shit out yeah, of him. He made him yeah. pay. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I, I don't. I don't understand how they let that happen or why it wasn't a bigger stink than that. Besides some fucking, you know, malfeasance of some sort. I don't know. It was. Yeah. It was some bullshit. Yeah. So uh, yeah. What else? What else do you think? Anything else you want to talk about in the car? No. Steve Garcia. We got to talk about Steve Garcia putting on a fucking hell of a performance against uh, Mikizel. Costa, right? Yeah. Um, fucking dude. First round, Costa was able to, you know, kind of pin Garcia up against the side of the cage, use a lot of switching back and forth to keep him there to mm-hmm. negate any of Garcia's striking. Um, you know, and Garcia was able to come out that second round and have all of that frustration. And not only that, but they were talking about how um, he was supposed to fight before and he didn't. Um, he has a daughter who has special needs. This is how he, you know, feeds his family and the rest of it. So he lost that fight from before. Then you get this fight and you come in there and the guy doesn't necessarily want to fight you. He just wants right. to like pin you up against the side of the cage and you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like work positioning. And he's like, okay, fucking second round, ding, ding, goes out there, <laughs> yeah. fucking beats the shit yeah. out of him, knocks him out. Yeah. And to the point where Costa was fucking trying to, you know, take down the ref even yeah. after. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. It was, that was good to see. Um, yeah. And w- then Tatsuhiro. I would have liked to have seen Steve Garcia land a few more shots before they waved it off. Would you? Would you? <laughs> 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 I bet you would have. <laughs> Fucking faces of death over here. Um, no, but Tatsuhiro, uh, Taira. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fucking dude. This dude looks like a fucking phenom. He reminds me of like fucking, um, uh, you know, watching like, uh, what's his face? Uh, the fireball kid. Or oh yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Or like Kid Yamamoto of yeah. sorts. You know what I'm saying? Here's this dude coming out of Japan. He's known for being a fucking explosive submission guy. Comes into this fight against Carlos Hernandez, 
works all this crazy jujitsu the first round, comes in there, second round's like, fuck that shit, and just fucking beats the shit out of him and knocks him out. Gets yeah. the TKO finish. Yeah. I mean, this dude, yeah, he's going to be a fucking problem. You, you know, the Japanese, they, I don't know why we overlook them so much. And maybe it's just because they don't ever have a great wrestling base. And nowadays that's kind of like a thing. But they have Japanese jiu-jitsu. Yes. Which is really effective. I mean, they came up with it. Yeah, exactly. And they have um, they have killer striking. You have some of the most creative, hard-hitting yeah. strikers you've ever seen have yeah. come out of Japan. I mean, look at K1 for the last fucking, I don't know, seven, eight years. Yeah. It's been like pretty much all Japanese fighters, yep. you know? Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? With no, the card? that was a killer card. Don't miss those fight night cards, man. I know they're not pay-per-views, but... Yeah, you can't sleep on <clears throat> Those are good cards. All right, um, let's talk about, really quick, one, fight night 17. Um, by all means, you can take the lead on this one. What are, you, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I was upset that uh, Summit Patch, Fairtex got knocked out mm. and got knocked out in the first round. I was really yes, bummed about did. that. Yep. Um, he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. He's an excellent fighter. Uh, Mohamed Yunez Rabah. He did hurt Mohamed, though. He did. He did. And, it, like, yeah, it was it was a close fight, you know, until he lost. He was he was definitely landing. But um, but now i got to start watching out for this Mohamed Yunez Rabah because mm-hmm. he's got he's got skill, man. He's got some talent. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. Especially to take out Fairtex in the first round. Yep. Um, my boy Dmitry Menshikov got a first round knockout, which is pretty nasty. Yes. I know we were watching the highlights over. Of that. Yeah, over Chaffee. Chaffee, remember Chaffee? Chaffee fought um, just one of these last cards, he, and fucking he he was he was one of the guys that coming in we didn't think much about he was like in the main event co-main event yeah and he came in there and he looked really really good against whoever he was fighting i think it was the italian fucking right do you remember what i'm talking about now and and that's why he looked so good it was why because he he was was fighting fighting italian (laughs) 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 um so yeah but um yeah so then he got to fight dimitri in this fight and fucking dude so he thought you know and he thought he was doing well he was back in dimitri back into the corner because in this one event it was uh pretty sure it was at lumpany stadium yes but they were doing the ring you know one sometimes one does the the cage yes and sometimes they do the ring this one was the ring and so you can back your opponent into a corner yeah and they can't you can't you know parry left and right you're stuck in the corner in in the rings and and you could tell he was like trying to clown a little bit. He'd already been hit, but he was he felt like he was landing. He felt like he was pushing him back and starting to take it over. And as soon as he tried to engage when Dimitri was in the corner, he just got flattened. Yes, like he got knocked the fuck out. He did. He did first round. So, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the card? Uh, no. Um, great card though. Tons of Muay Thai fights. Like I'm pretty sure it was all Muay Thai. Your boy Edgar. Tabarez? Edgar Tabarez, not my boy. <laughs> not my boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the last time I saw him fight, he was getting knocked the fuck out by Rod Tang. Yes, <laughs> yeah, live. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yep, and then that will leave us with BKFC 56 from Utah, We had, where the King of Violence was crowned. Yeah, the King of Violence belt was on the line. Uh, they had the one and only time. The one and only time so far, <laughs> but they had um, Eddie Alvarez and Mike Perry, Platinum Mike Perry, yep, and Eddie, the King, the Underground King, the Underground King Alvarez. And I've always been the biggest Eddie Alvarez fan. Yes, 
Um, this is a guy who has a has had a storied, legendary career. Yep. Has basically won gold in every organization he's ever fought in. Exactly. Um, and so here was his chance for semi gold. Yeah, so, if you want to call it fool's gold. Some fool's gold. Yes. Good call. Um, and ended up quitting on the stool. Yes. Um, I mean, his face was fucking swelled up. It like, was, but it was, but he he had put it on Mike Perry, yes. like yeah, like no, he was carving him up. To be fair, that was a very violent fight. Yes, and it was very fitting because um, as, as we long all as it know, lasted. as we all know, Mike Perry is a very violent individual. Yeah, yeah, and he took a shit ton of punishment. <laughs> he took a fuckload of punishment. I know. Uh, yeah, he was all fucked up. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see if Alvarez could have come out for round two, how that would have played out. Yeah, and then he ended up breaking his orbital or whatever that was. Right. But yeah. God yeah. damn, that fucking sucked. I, dude, I was telling you, I had fucking, I had five, a five-fight parlay on that <laughs> card. Every single one of them had paid off. Going into that fight, I had Alvarez on the card, and if I would have won, it would have been $2,500 off damn, of 10 bro. bucks. Ten bucks, and fucking dude. It's uh, hard to pick two winners, let alone five. Well, I don't know. You were close though. I was close. So let's move on. We had uh, the co-main event: the women of violence, um, Beck Rawlings versus Christine Vieira. And uh, yeah, I mean, pretty good fight, all things considered. I thought Vieira was gonna win. I put her on my parlay. She won. She did win. Um, yeah. yeah, Beck was in there for a good scrap, better than the fight that they had had previously. It got stopped from uh, a cut. Do you remember that? Right. We were yep. there live mm-hmm. in Denver for that. Um, and so, yeah, this was the rematch of that, and um, they didn't stop it. And, yeah, nothing changed much, but right. good fight. Uh, was surprised by Stewart. Um, thought that Davis was going to... Um, take it from him. Seemed like he had gotten to his head and the head games coming up and uh, really looked like, you know, he was going to. I, it wasn't enough to bet, but it was still, I thought that gotcha. all things considered, Davis was going <clears> to <throat> gotcha. be able to do it. And uh, Stewart's a wrestler. I don't know if he knows or not. He's like a collegiate wrestler. He has one of those um, fucking, those wrestling tattoos. You know, all the like major wrestlers have the fucking wrestling tattoo. No. Fucking, they have, it's like that fucking... Um, U.S. with the red and the white over the fucking mm. guy doing the suplex shit. Anyways, all those wrestlers that like do the college wrestling, gotcha. they all come in with that same fucking. They have that same tattoo. This guy does, so okay. he has that kind of collegiate wrestling thing. But then instead of going into MMA, well, he went was, into bare knuckle. That's what I was gonna say. Guess what you don't do in BKFC? You don't wrestle. You don't wrestle, but he does. Okay, because okay, here's the thing. He uses it. He like shoots in. And uses it to like, you know, like when like boxers clinch and then they have to like break them up and there's yeah. kind of a clinch game. He like blitzes his opponent over and over again and really creates a like pressure style of performance that wears on him okay. like wrestlers do. But it, it's not boxing and it's not necessarily something that like as a fan watching BKFC, it doesn't make for a good fight. It doesn't. Gotcha. But if you're watching it and you know this dude's a wrestler, you see how he's taken his skill set and applied it within the rules, you know, kind of like that gray area. Right. To, to right. not only have it work, but then to be the champion. Well, he's, I mean, yeah, he's 5-0 and in BKFC so far. Yeah. So, so it's obviously working for him. Yeah. Um, until they fuck with the rule set or whatever. They might. Um, heavyweight title was on the line. Um, Terrell versus Adams. They had, this was a rematch, and um, yeah, Terrell was able to take it. So, 
Yeah. That, I thought that, I felt like that was a pretty good matchup going into it. It was. It was. It was kind of a pick 'em. Um right. Um yeah. So that worked out. Then Jeremy Stevens made his debut against uh Jimmy Rivera and Stevens ended up getting the nod. You know, it was funny cuz I had bet Stevens obviously and um I didn't realize the size discrepancy. Like when they went in there, and him and Jimmy Rivera. Yeah, him and Jimmy Rivera like he was probably close to a, a foot taller. Oh, wow. And he looked like he was another weight division bigger. I mean, it really reminded me of the big brother, little brother type fight. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Where Jimmy Rivera had, like, the tenacity and, and, and you know, he was there taking the punishment. But, like, every time Stevens hit him, every time yeah. it was, like, way more powerful, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, but, and Stevens yeah. was always a, a power heavy hitter, hitter yes. though. Like, yeah. You know? So... Yeah, and, and so kind of like in the vein of that whole Mike Perry thing, like mm-hmm. your UFC career, your MMA career has mm-hmm. faded. Um, but this could be something that Jeremy Stevens is good at for a while. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it kind of suits his fighting style. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the only other fight that I really want to talk about, I mean, both of the Utah fighters, these were uh, Moa and uh, Jones. Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Um, they both, uh, fucking, you know, were like these Utah guys that were getting this push for this card. Um, I liked Moa, but I didn't like Jones, um, in the pre-fight press conference. I could tell that he was like, you know, shaky and stuff. And the guy that they put him against Lorenzo was like fucking, he was like one and two, but he had had three fights already in BKFC. And I was like, and he had fought like some of the better guys in BKFC. And I'm like... Okay, like, I'm fucking going with Lorenzo on this one. I know. Well, that's what it was like when we went to CBKFC. Remember, like, like every prelim fight, everything leading up to the main, somebody that was Debuted. 0-0 in BKFC yeah, yeah. from the Denver from the area. area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's how they put those cards on, because then they get those people that know people in that area to yeah. come buy seats. Right. You know, it's the classic. Right. Uh, and, you know, those guys probably feel good, because they get to be, you know, they get that little push. The only thing is, is that I don't even know if these guys were trying to be fighters before they, like, this could have just been one of those strongmen. Remember that they do yeah, the strongman yeah, tournaments where 100%. you just be at a bar and they'd be like, oh, who wants I know. to fucking... I know, exactly. And you would think that you couldn't do it in 2023, but then you have, but then you have these, these nostalgia <laughs> trips that are there to provide that. So, like, yeah, it's not necessarily dead. Um, and then I guess the only other thing to talk about, our boy that we were really hyped on from before. Vandermeer, Vandermeer. I know. He uh, met his match against Rodriguez. They I both s- went to war, and uh, he it was it was almost like he um, you know just lost all of his energy and stamina, and then he ended up getting um, yeah. TKO'd. It's so. too bad because he looked so good in his last fight, yeah. the one that we saw in Denver. He, yeah, and he didn't even look bad in this fight. It just looked like he had got like caught, and it really like drained and zapped right. all his energy. That even when he went to the corner during the. Um, break. I mean, he was like literally like laying over, was just like dead tired, and they sent him back out there, and he just right. got hit and went down. You know what I'm saying? And then when he went down, he just laid there. He was just like, I'm fucking done. Yeah. You know? So uh, almost like uh, Adams and Adams' heavyweight fight, same thing, where it was just like the dude was dead tired and just like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When he went down, he wasn't out. He just like put his hands behind his head and was just laying there, just like, I'm fucking done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. And, and, they're fighting in Utah. So, like, I don't know. Last time they were in Denver, maybe Salt Lake City, you know. I don't, you know, so. Okay. That elevation shit can catch up to you. You might have a point there. So, that is that um, with the catch up. And with that, we will move along. Um, we have 
what we talked about coming into the show, Francis Ngannou was ranked number 10 in the WBC rankings. The World Boxing Coalition has decided <clears throat> that he's the 10th best heavyweight boxer in, in the, the world. world. I mean, he fucking put Fury on his ass. <laughs> yeah, fucking, a did. lot of people thought he fucking won he that fight. He did win so that fight. I like, think he's definitely worth top 10. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I, I think you could have put him in top five, to be honest with you. Who I else? Agree. Who else are you going to put in there? No, who, I agree. Anybody that you're going to put above him in top five are the people that you're going to want to see him box now. Yes. So how the fuck is he not? Yes. I yeah. I, I don't know. And and the, the beautiful the beautiful thing about that is now you want to see him fight all those guys. Yes. You know. Yeah. You want to see him fight Wilder. You want to see him fight Usyk. You yeah. want to see him fight Joshua. Yeah. You want to see him fight. Yeah. The Fury rematch. You want to see all yeah, that shit? Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, 100%. Like, now that you see what he can do, and, and it's not just us as MMA fans, but, like, even, even the boxing fans just like, let's see what he can do. No, give him, exactly. Give him another three or four months to do a little more training. Let's <laughs> yeah. see what this fucker can yeah, do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I guarantee you those numbers are going to be different the next time around. Speaking of the next event, there's a lot of talk about this Francis versus Wilder and uh, PFL mixed rules set, one-round boxing, one-round MMA. Wilder was recently questioned about it, and he wanted clarification on the rule set for what it's going to be. Um, what do you make of what do you make of this? Well, I think we all want clarification on what the rule set is going to be. Well, yeah, um, because we've seen this in one. Yes, right. One does a really good job of figuring out how to make these fights one um, round, one one round, one round, one way, yeah. one round the other way, and making it so that you know, both fighters can compete. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for so for me, the, my first thought was um, the gloves, right? Because you can't do a full-on one-round boxing match unless you give them a different type of glove. So it's, they're not going to be going in there with the 12-ounce oh, gloves yeah. on their hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then they when can't it switches, do MMA. Exactly, because yeah. then when it switches to the MMA round, they're not going to be able to grapple. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so I was thinking more of a, like – a limited striking first round. And I say limited striking because you can't necessarily call it boxing, but they probably wouldn't allow leg strikes or elbows, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Just just hand strikes, yeah. no clinching, takedowns, stuff like that. Yeah. So that could and be make a first it as round. close to boxing as you could. Right, yeah. as close as you can. Yeah. And then without the gloves. And then yeah, and then in round two, I'd like to everything think goes. I'd like to think it would be everything yeah. goes, but how much do you want to bet Wilder wants to be like? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, in order for him to take the fight, right? I mean, right. yeah. But even then, but even then, like, I'm, here's the thing: it the winner of that benefits no one. Okay, it doesn't benefit either of them in boxing. It right. doesn't benefit either of them in MMA. It's kind okay. of like its own thing. Right. So whatever they do, you know, like. I'm fine with it because it is kind of its own thing. It's like a one-off type thing. It's more of just for the event kind of thing to feel like. But also, I am I also would prefer, I'm not the one putting the money up, but just speaking as, as a fan, I would prefer to see Francis fight in either a straight boxing match again or a straight MMA fight. Yes. I, I'm not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily do anything for me thinking about these like circus style matchups. Um, I've seen them many 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 times and sometimes they can be really good as far as like you know what ends up happening how the outcome um arrives in these type of fights based on these like crazy rule sets but but that's my point is that even if it's a spectacular knockout or even if there's a crazy finish like there's nowhere to go forward with that 
So, yeah, so I, I think there's certain things that, like, influence our perception of how this fight would be. And, and I'll go back to when we've seen it done in one fighting championships. And it wasn't, like, a boxer wasn't involved. It was an MMA fighter and a grappler. Yeah. Right? Which is why you got one round to grapple, which is a part of MMA. Mm -hmm. And then you got the other round, which is MMA, so the grappler can still grapple. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it, there wasn't such a huge gap in between the, tr the, the types of things you were trying to bring together in one fight. Um, so I, I totally agree. Yes, I don't. It, it benefits all parties involved if Francis boxes straight boxing. Or if one of these boxers decides to grow a pair and come over and yeah. do some legit MMA. Yeah. It's more of like dipping your toes in without getting fully in kind of thing, you know? Um, but, yeah, and like, you know, to just elaborate on what you're saying, I've seen those matchups, too, where they've had the grappler versus the MMA guy, and they've had one round of just straight grappling. It reminds me of um, there is a, uh, I believe that, the fight that we had talked about before with, um, oh my God, what's his name? Um, Aoki. Aoki and Demetrius? No, um, Aoki versus Sakurai. Okay. I believe that when they fought the second time um, in, I guess it would have been Dream. Dream, it would have been Dream. Um, it was that same type of thing. First round was grappling only, second round was MMA. Right. And so the first round, Aoki was like, doing the butt scooting, was doing a lot of grappling stuff, was doing his thing, and then the second round came and fucking he, he went for, you know, like a takedown. Sakurai went to, you know, come in on him, went for a takedown, and he hit him with that fucking knee and just fucking beat the shit out of him and knocked him out. So the, so I've seen those. Right. But then I've also seen, like you were talking about in one, I've seen Demetrius Johnson versus um, our boy. Um, God, it wasn't. Who was it? It was, um, it was our boy, the Rod Tang. Okay, they yes, did a yes, fight, remember? Yes. And it was one round kickboxing, one round MMA, yeah. right? And I believe Mighty Mouse ended up winning the fight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I you know, I, I I've seen them in different ways. Um in this fight, it would be completely different than any of those because both of those fights that we talked about, those are smaller guys. These mm -hmm. are heavyweight guys. So like regardless of whether it's boxing or whether it's MMA, at this level with this kind of weight. Anybody's gonna get knocked the fuck out, especially with smaller gloves. That's, anybody's gonna get knocked and out, and and that's true. But again, think about like how much closer kickboxing and MMA are to each other than boxing and MMA. Yeah, you know, like like you, that's what I don't like about trying to combine those two types of things in the mixed rule set format. Yeah, is they're just too different. No, no, and no, and you yes, you do bring up a good point. Um, but what I'm saying is that you're right, but if the real thing is going to come down to which gloves that they use, and at that point, with that weight and those kind of gloves, in order for them to even do MMA, I'm thinking it's not necessarily going to matter. I think that yeah. whoever lands first and lands good is probably going to end up yeah. fucking knocking the other one the fuck out. Well, it didn't matter when Francis was wearing a 12-ounce glove and knocked down Fury. <laughs> like, no, you're right. It absolutely doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter. But, but I like... The way you the way you started it out, I like I like that option better for all parties involved, and 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 Francis did it like that that was ballsy, right? Like he was like, "Hey, I'm just gonna fight the champ." Yeah, right. Yeah. Just jump right in deep end. Yeah. Let's do that. Like, why why don't the boxers feel like 
they can do that. You don't lose anything if you're a boxer and you go to MMA and you lose. No, exactly. The reason why is because... And you get a chance to fight a champion. Yes, no, exactly. The reason why, which you already know, which is the same reason why we were so happy to see the outcome that we got to see in the Francis Ngannou fight is because boxing is a base, is one fundamental, you know, area of mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. Boxing is just the stand-up, just the punches back and forth, head movement, footwork. That's what boxing is. All mixed martial arts, not all of them, but most mixed martial artists train boxing in order to do MMA. Boxers don't train MMA to do boxing. They just do just boxing. And because it's a more simplified, more basic version of combat, um, that's why you'll have guys from MMA that are willing to jump in at that level because they'll spar the high-level boxers in their gym and be like, okay, I understand to have that confidence. The boxers aren't getting in the MMA ring and sparring the MMA guys when they're outside of the boxing ring to see how good, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't happen like that. So so much like the the scenario with Wilder and Francis, why does it have to be a mixed rule set? Ngannou's not going to shoot a takedown. No, I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, he did against Gon. He did, but he was injured. He went into that fight. I know, know but I'm a, just saying. Like torn knee ligament. But, but here's the other thing. What happened when James Tony came in and fought in the MMA just straight up? What happened? Well, he got he got taken down. Randy Couture took him but down and fucking beat the shit out of him. But that's Randy. Like I know, but that's what I'm saying, though. Randy ain't Francis. No, exactly. But because we don't have a lot of these other examples... If the boxers are going to do their homework and they're going to go back, they're going to look at that and be like, well, I don't want, I don't want that shit to happen. <clears throat> this is why it needs to be done in one. Because one could make you do it. You could go kickboxing and they'd be like, okay, we'll give you, we'll, you can fight an MMA fighter, but it'll be a kickboxing match. You see, see what, what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. then he's like, okay, yeah, there's going to be certain things. And, and when you're a boxer, I guarantee that, you know, you always think about throwing elbows, even though you know you can't. Oh, yeah. Or you oh, always yeah. think well, about... Well, and some of them do, right? Let's no, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Fury, like Fury, Fury was trying to. <laughs> I know. I know. So, so, that's, so like, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't like the way they're trying to set it up. I think there's better ways to try and bring something like that to, to the fans, you know? But even aside from that, let's just, you know, why don't we just stick with just boxing? Or, or just may, especially for Francis' case, right? Yeah, I mean, if it was up, if it was up to me and you, that's what it would be. The problem yeah. is, is that they got to get these two guys in the ring. So they're like, "What do we need from you on your side?" Francis is like, probably Francis is like, "I don't give a fuck. Whatever we <laughs> no, need to do, sure? I just, I just want the page, I just want the check to be in my name and to be able to be cashed. Yeah. That's all I care yeah. about, right?" And Wilder has certain concessions he has to make to come over, but at the same time, well, so how? Why not? But, but here's the, okay. But here's the thing: How else are you gonna get somebody with the level of prestige of a Wilder, somebody at the top of boxing, to come over without making those? So why not just make it a boxing match then? Like, why don't just do bare knuckle? I mean, they could have fucking went to bare knuckle and had them do it. They they could have, but I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, as much as everyone would like to see Wilder come over in whatever kind of mixed rule set, I guarantee the same amount of people, if not more, would be just as happy with Francis boxing Wilder. Straight up boxing. I mean, yeah, exactly. So here's the thing. Wilder wants to get involved with MMA. But he only wants to get involved to a certain level because he 
respects the sport and because he realizes that he is however old he is and to start this path and then to jump in there with the fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you don't don't do that. No, exactly. But that's also why boxers, people who only watch boxing, fans of boxing, that's it. When the whole Francis versus Fury fight came out, they were like laughing like, huh, this MMA guy at 30 whatever years old has no boxing fights, is going to come in and do this shit. And then the whole world was shocked. Mm-hmm. Not the whole world. MMA guys, <laughs> especially ones that have been watching for a long time and know what's up, we were like, fuck, we knew this was a possibility, right? Yeah. And yeah. so fuck it. And so that was, you know, I mean, we were, I mean, it was amazing to see. But at the same time, it wasn't like to the level of shocking, like all the boxing guys who before were like burying him and then afterwards were like, that was fucking awesome. I'd love to see him <laughs> fucking box. Blah, 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 right. blah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's part of the problem is because where we keep coming back to is that one is a much more basic version of combat. So if you train your whole life at that, at that level and you get to the highest of that level, then you want to cross in to MMA, which is, it's not just this fucking one way. It's this whole big fucking pool of different fucking shit. You got to worry about whatever else. That's why we have to make these kinds of concessions. Cause if we didn't, we would never get another fucking boxer to come in. Cause only somebody is fucking, Crazy and arrogant as a James Tony would be like, huh, fuck those fucking guys lay on each other. I'm coming there and punch them <laughs> in the face. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Because yeah. you don't realize what you're getting into. But then yeah. once you do realize, then you're like, well, fuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll get involved, but I don't want to. I don't want to be. Lo- I don't want my whole career to be looked at as questionable off of one fight against an old, smaller dude. You know what I'm saying? That's that's all I'm saying. So I I, I understand. I understand that point. But still, right. I, I'm with you. I would much rather just see a boxing match versus Wilder or an MMA fight versus... I don't even know who the fuck won the PFL fucking heavyweight thing. Was that that fucking... Oh, nobody cares. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. I know. Okay? The only PFL champ I know is Olivier Aubin Mercier because he's like three times now champ and he retired. Well, yeah, and Larissa Pacheco, right? Larissa she, Pacheco. Yeah, she, she but that was her first win too, though, wasn't it? No, second. She oh, took okay. out Kayla Harrison last year. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> anyways, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> further updates as... <laughs> Things yeah, develop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just because we fucking talked all this doesn't mean that any of this is gonna happen. So we will just move on. Um, speaking of fucking bringing back, you know, shit that we thought was long and gone, Bellator is bought <laughs> by PFL, and um, we, you, you called it. You knew that PFL that Bellator was going to get bought by PFL remember I was still questioning it I was like I don't think I don't remember you were like no this is what's going to happen so you're right but PFL has decided to keep it running right and to run it consecutively yeah for the time being anyway Uh, we'll see how long it lasts I mean because you you had brought up some good points when this whole thing was possibly going down if Bellator is seriously hemorrhaging money PFL either has to be smarter about how they run it or it's going to end up dragging the PFL down with it, See, right? Yeah. See, here's the thing. These PFL guys are smart, okay? Now, I haven't talked to them. <laughs> but, but but we've talked before about how what the true promise of PFL could be. Right. Right? PFL right now lacks because with their current format, their season... It's short. Season. Yeah. Right. Short is a fucking understatement. You get two <laughs> fights. Two fights in the season to decide right. whether or not you're what you're gonna make your points yeah. to get to the postseason, okay? And it should be more. Yeah. 
That's the problem. Yeah. But this fixes that problem. Because now you have a fight promotion that is that is ongoing. Right. That fighters once a year can put their fucking they can get their points from the from that. And then every year when we get towards the end of the year, that's when PFL inserts itself and you're like, hey, look, PFL's here. So we could have champions in Bellator that are the champions and they could come in to PFL and we could we could list the top 10, 15, 16, whatever it is, right? Top right. eight, top 16, right. top 12 fighters, whatever. They can fight the postseason. You can win the PFL. There could be PFL champions. There could be Bellator champions. They could be the same. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. It, it puts PFL into a different realm of this of this post-fight other thing that also adds to an end-of-the-year big finale Champions versus champions, champions champ, yep. all of that shit. Exactly. The same shit that we talked about before of what of what's the of what's the best end goal for PFL. Right. This enacts that. Right. Plus, Bellator has the names. Yes, exactly. It has the drawing power. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And they've got a fucking roster, right? Yep. They've got tons of fucking names. And here's the other thing: if they buy it, they would be smart to keep fucking Scott Coker around because not only has Scott done not a terrible job with Bellator, not, and he's done a great job before Strikeforce. He's got connects to all these other fight promotions and these other people around the world. Right. That's going to help get these other fighters into so that when we go to the postseason, we could get maybe a one champion to come in and right. be part of it. Do you right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. We could get this at the end of the year. We could get the PFL to actually be a PFL of multi-organization champions to right. see who wins, who's the best out of the year. Absolutely. So, so one of the knocks we had talking about Fury signing with the PFL um, was what kind of MMA opponent does he get, right? And this this answers a lot of those questions too because Bellator has a decent heavyweight roster. Yeah, and you know? who, let's be honest: is there anybody that you think that can really threaten Francis Ngannou in the in Bellator's rankings? Um, probably not. Yeah. No. I mean, but is Bader their champion? I'm not sure I want to see Bader against Francis Ngannou. Um, I just... I, 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 I mean, I'm not opposed <laughs> to it. <laughs> I don't think Bader has much to offer, but no, I still... No, he yeah. doesn't. I mean, you know, he'd try to wrestle. Um, Linton Vassell? Yeah, Linton Vassell. Yeah, that's, I, a, good that's a good matchup. I'd like to see that. Yep. You know, that could be an entertaining, fairly competitive fight. I mean, I, I think... I'll be honest with you. I think Francis Ngannou could fucking take on all 10 at once and knock all these motherfuckers <laughs> 10 men one night who could be a real threat in a one-on-one -on -one match versus francis and also provide the selling eyes power no. do you see what i'm saying no none of these guys none sell. of these guys, on, these guys on, on either on either side right right so that's that that is part of the problem but if pfl continues to work this and they continue to work their relationship with others now, Francis Ngannou versus fucking Malakin. Yeah, Malakin. Yeah, that's a fight I'd want to see. Yeah, I don't. I, I think I would still favor Francis, but I'd want to see that fucking fight. Maybe. I mean that. That's close. That'd be a fucking destroyer. You yeah. know, that'd be sick. It'd be sick. Yeah, that dude's he's aggressive. He's yeah. fast. Yeah, and we could put both those guys in the in the PFL like. We could do like a four man tournament, right? Yeah. We could do like fucking something like that where you're like, look. Francis versus uh, Deontay Wilder, okay? And the, <laughs> <laughs> and the winner of that fights the winner of Bader or Fajera versus... Bader and Fajera fucking have to fight, and the winner of that fights 
Anatoly <laughs> Malakin, and the winner of that fights fucking Francis, or, you know what I'm saying? And neither one of those guys are beating Malakin. No, no, neither yeah. of them are, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. But they can at least get a chance, True. you know what I'm saying? True. And then fucking, yeah, and then we let fucking... Yeah, and then that's pretty much the end of the fucking heavyweight division. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like three yeah. three organizations, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's just not that list of names. So it is what it is. So did you get a chance to look at the one scoring criteria? Um, one came out and said that um, their scoring criteria is based off of It's based off of threatening, being aggressive. Um, that's what they will weigh in more than just damage. Threatening. Yeah, like fucking like going for the win. Like like if you have a guy that beat up a guy on the feet, but then the other guy took him down and fucking almost choked him out, they're going to favor that round to the guy that almost choked out the guy. Okay. As opposed to a damage, like in the UFC, right? We would probably favor the fucking damage. the damage, yeah. right? The guy that fucking got the better of the other dude on the feet, At, unless unless it's Munoz. Okay? <laughs> if it's Munoz, then it doesn't matter. Okay, he can just hug their back and he'll win. Yeah. Okay, but um, but no, but do you see what I'm saying? So like, one came out and said that um, that was how they judge their fights because there's been some questionable things where it's like, dude, what are we judging here on? You know what I'm saying? This right. guy looks like he's won the fight. Why has he not won the fight? And that can make it subjective as well. Yeah, Rod Tang and Superlack. Yes. So So, okay. <clears throat> I mean that's interesting. And I'm I'm glad you got a chance to look at that. I'm not sure again, like <sighs> trying to interpret certain very subjective terms, right? Like even damage can be subjective yeah. is the thing, right? Yeah. There's a lot of things that go into that. It's like, you know, you you throw a leg kick and it looks like it, you know, buckles the guy's knee a little bit and then he lands some, lands some jabs and your nose is bleeding, Yeah. right? Now, most people would say, well, it would be the jabs because it caused blood, right? Well, legs don't ever bleed. Like, how often do you see legs bleed? But limiting somebody's movement to the point where they're not able to you know, get out of the way of strikes. Like that could, I would argue that that's more damaging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's literally debilitating. So right. yeah, it can be. Right. So, so even though there is some subject subjectivity there, I feel like trying to use a term like threatening it's, is even more subjective. It is. It is even more subjective. You that's, know? Yeah. That's the whole point. I think that, well, he was, he was giving him a real mean look. All yeah. that first round yeah. was a really threatening. Look. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, come on. Exactly. I mean, it's as blanket of a term as fucking terrorist, you know. I mean, <laughs> yes. no, exactly. So that that's mm. that's my whole that's my whole viewpoint with it is that like, because we give one a lot of praise, a lot, right? Right. right. And we've even commended their fucking scoring criteria, talking about judging a fight on its whole, right? right? And how that can be interpreted better a lot of times for fights. Really, what it comes down to is certain fights, certain times. Certain judges' scoring criteria works better, right? Sometimes it's about the damage. Sometimes it's about judging the fight as a whole. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about judging who's more threatening. Who, you know what I'm saying? Right. But you got to be able to fucking break those apart and be able to tell. Okay, in a fight, who would have won here based on that, right? Who yeah. got? Who took the mental edge? If we if we can't figure out the physical one, if we can't, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, where would you put the winner? Like mentally over these two. 
where would you put the winner? And that's where we need to figure out what it is, as opposed to just having one as, as the criteria, because we're going to end up with these because the fights are fucking chaotic. All any fucking thing can happen in a fucking fight. You know right. what I'm saying? So to kind of make them with these rigid guidelines of like, Oh, it needs to just be this, or it needs to just be that. Like we're going to end up having these really subjective conversations about like the criteria and the rest of it, because, because the fights are, the fights are very subjective and they can fucking end in a, multiple different ways. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, I don't know. That's why I wanted to bring it up, though, was just kind of have a better understanding of that because there was. Because there was the fucking Rod Tang Superlek fight that we were like, dude, what the fuck is going on here? No, I'm I'm actually super surprised because of how many times we feel like we've seen better decisions, right? Yes. Watching one. You feel like, you know, maybe if this exact fight happened under a different promotion, we don't feel like we would have gotten the right winner. Yeah. And here we did. So that's why I was so, so surprised to hear that it was aggressiveness and threatening. Um, and maybe, so maybe it does work, you know, like maybe it is, maybe that is better. No. Yeah. In a lot of cases it can be. Yes. In a lot of cases it can be, but you can't tell me that fucking in that Rod Tang super fight that Rod Tang being able to fucking withstand whatever the fuck super holding on to him and throwing the fucking knees to him versus every time he got a chance landing those fucking elbows and carving his fucking face up like a goddamn Thanksgiving Turkey. Yeah. Was it more threatening? No, I know. I, that's, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is then because you say it's something like, oh, it's more threatening, then it goes to, okay, then what is the judge's specific criteria of what threatening is? Do you know right. what I'm saying? It's just another fucking, another blanket term. Yeah. So it's like. <sighs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, thanks for breaking that down for me. Because I, I, like I said, I didn't get a chance to see that. Yeah. Um, no problem. And with that, we will move to round two. All right. Uh, he wants to know how we feel about champ champs. Double champs. And there's a lot that goes into this because at one time it was a pretty rare thing. Okay. Right? You remember, like, you you had to do a lot before you would be allowed to oh, yeah. go up for another belt or go yeah. down for another belt or compete for another belt. <clears throat> but nowadays, <laughs> you win and the first thing you want to do is go fight the champ in the next weight class. Yeah. Well, because... Connor did it and they let Connor do it and so now that becomes the standard so now as soon as you win one belt instead of having to defend that belt why not just go for another belt <laughs> so so how do you how do you feel about the champ champ scenario I mean I think it's fucking played out um I think that nine times out of ten it's undeserving um I like for instance I like like the way that uh Pajeda became a double champ right right I like that I like that way. I like having a belt, defending the belt. You lose the belt, and you're like, I could go back for this belt. Maybe I'll go up and try not to make weight and see, or try not to cut weight and see how that works out. Mm-hmm. And it works out. And then you become a champion. And well, you're and, like, and, oh, and look it, at that. Right, but he didn't even get an immediate title shot. He still had to fight. No, but that's what I'm fight. saying. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. But you went through. Yeah. You took, you took the name value that you had from being a champion in one promotion. You bet on yourself. Right. You went into another promotion. You fought somebody at a high standard. You beat them. Mm-hmm. That puts you into a title shot pitcher. You win that. You win the belt. It, to me, it's, a legit, it's legitimate. Right? Right. And not only that, but you already defended your belt in this other weight division. You defended it and lost the belt. Yeah. And so you're like, I could go back for this belt. Maybe we could do a rematch, especially since 
you know, I fucking knocked you out, and now you've knocked me out, and I knocked you out twice before, and we could do it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you could. You could have fucking asked for a rematch. It could have been, but instead of doing that, you're like, I'm going to go up here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try my luck in this weight division, and it works, and you win the belt, and, th- and that's beautiful. So do you remember when BJ Penn did it? So BJ was a lightweight fighter. Yes. And... Failed in his bid yeah. for the lightweight belt. Yeah. He fought Jens Pulver. Yeah. It was a killer fight. Jens Pulver rightfully won. Yeah. Got the belt. First ever UFC lightweight champ. Yep. And BJ was all pissed. Yeah. You know, um, a whole bunch of demons need to exercise. So he goes up to 170 mm-hmm. to fight Matt Hughes, yeah. who hasn't lost in fucking seven years I or know. something like that. Yeah. And wrecks him. Yeah. Fucks him up, drops him with a huge punch, submits him, yep. licking his blood off of his gloves, yeah. and then, and then tells the UFC to go fuck off. Yeah, like has the has the 170 pound belt, <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, fuck you, yeah. I'm out. And then goes does like the Rumble on the Rocks in Hawaii <laughs> yeah, and shit yeah. like that, yeah. does all this stuff. But then comes back mm-hmm. and decides he wants back in at lightweight, mm-hmm. and then eventually it wins the lightweight belt and defends it. Yeah. I think he got like four or five title defenses. Yeah, no, I mean, he was considered fucking the greatest lightweight champion for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, One of the greatest ever. Um, And then, after he lost his belt, went up and fought Matt Hughes again and knocked him out again. Yeah, yeah, knocked him the fuck out. (laughs) All those years later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, just be like, I can do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was great. So, that's so what a, was your question? Well, no, he was just like, how do you guys feel about champ champs? Yeah. And like, and so I think about other people, different people that have, have done it. And like you said, like there's different ways to do it. Some more legitimate than others. Um, you know, it's, and in my opinion, I don't like it when, like, I like it when it feels like you've cleaned out your division. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like if you've done that thing where you've got five, six, seven title defenses, and it might take more depending on how deep yeah. you know, the top 10 is in your division, how many people in that top 10 you had to beat before you got your belt, right? Um, but then but then after a while, I would like to see, that was always my knock on Anderson Silva. I was like, you've got a bunch of defenses. You're lapping people in the division. Now it's time to challenge yourself and go up to 205 and see how you fare there. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Um, no, um, I would love it if you cleaned out your division first before you thought about another division. I love that idea. Right. But I'm not of the mind that that's necessarily the way it has to be either. But you have to defend your belt at least, I don't know, fucking three times. I mean, there has to be a minimum of fucking defense. I mean, let's get one. I mean, Jesus Christ. It's just like, like, I, I know it, but that's what I'm talking about. That... It drives me insane. It drove me insane when Conor McGregor did it the first fucking time. I couldn't believe the UFC was letting him do it the first time. And then I couldn't believe that everybody was, like, so over the top with it that he had two belts. Because it's like, dude, you didn't even defend your fucking first belt yet. Right. And now you got two belts. Right. You know? And it's just like, it makes a farce of the fucking sport is what it does. And it makes it so that anybody else then coming up is going to be like, oh, I just want a belt. I want to get another belt. Right. And you can't tell them anything. Right. You can't tell them, hey, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Because guess what? They let him fucking do it. I know. And so and so because of that kind of shit, yeah, there's nothing that's more discouraging as a as a as a fan, as somebody that fucking, you know, watches the sport to see a champion come in, new, win the belt, and automatically be like, Oh, I wanna talk about it. But you know what? 
it's become so mundane that now a lot of champions don't even have to. Now a lot of times you get fucking pundits or fucking journalists that are like, oh, True. so-and-so just won the belt. <clears throat> yeah. What about if they went up and fought this guy? What about if... Burr, 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 burr? And I'm just like, dude, like, what are you doing here? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it's... And it's and it's even worse because in the, even in the past couple of weeks we've had Drickus Duplessis yeah. hasn't even gotten the belt yeah. saying the same thing. Colby Covington same thing <laughs> hasn't even gotten the belt and he's like, hey, I'm gonna go up and fight Strickland. It's like, okay, let's not put the cart before the horse here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> There's only ever been two fighters in the UFC, and this is just UFC. We could talk about um, Dan Henderson and Pride. But there's only ever been two UFC fighters that ever had two belts and defended both belts. Yeah. And that was Daniel Cormier mm-hmm. and Amanda Nunez. Mm-hmm. That's it. So for all these double champs, all these champ champs, there's only been two, in my opinion, legitimate. Well, Randy Couture. Did he have them simultaneously no. and defend them both simultaneously? No. Okay. But you're right. Yes, yes. He Randy had Couture both belts was badass. and he defended both of them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But not simultaneously. But not simultaneously. He had but one, the, then he had right. the other. Yeah, good yeah. point. Good yeah. point. So, yes, Amanda Nunez and Daniel Cormier had them simultaneously mm-hmm. and defended both of them simultaneously. simultaneously. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what you have to. I it's, agree. It's, that's it's what not, I'm saying. It's not just about being able to have two belts. Right. Because once you get to that point, then it's like, well, where's my third belt? Right? Then where's my fourth belt? What, do you see what I'm saying? Right. Then it gets to this whole point of like, why do we even have fucking weight divisions? No. So, and so this is my, my point. My point is, is that. Once you get to that certain stature as a fighter, it should be about challenging yourself. Yeah. Right? Which is why it should become more difficult for you. Yeah. So, yes, go ahead and move up a weight class because, generally speaking, those fights should be more difficult yeah. for you. But then, yes, defend both those belts with less time in between fights because yeah. it should be more difficult for yeah. you. Like, you should be adding more onto these challenges. If you want the reward of being a champion in two divisions and holding two belts... That is part of why you... That's that's the whole reason of why you have two belts. Exactly. It's because you have to defend both into weight divisions, making two different fucking, um, you know, weight limits. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. Yes. And even then, Daniel Cormier had to cheat. True. To make his very true. Limits. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm just saying. No, fucking, very true. Um, but, that, but, that's, but that's why, guys. Okay? That's what I'm telling you, is that <laughs> it's not... It's not a fucking circus show. It's not some fucking bullshit fucking Conor McGregor like, look at it this way and this is how it fucking works. Like, that kind of shit is like fucking so like, you know, fleeting. It's so fucking like House of Cards. It's so fucking like, it's stupid. And it makes the sport look stupid. And then it makes everybody else's accomplishment when people actually look at that and they say, oh, that's legitimate. It, It fucking, you know brings down all the other real accolades from all the other champions yeah, yeah. because of that kind of shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's why that kind of shit. But then we get, but then you get into that whole thing of like, Oh, well fucking, you know, if it was fucking really based on merit and fucking sport and the, and the champions really meant anything and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. not the UFC that we have anymore. So like, I'm not, I'm not, I, no, it's becoming more and more like professional wrestling yes. every day. Yeah, where... exactly, exactly. And, and and I'm not just a purist. There are times where I like fucking side... There are certain side shows that I like too, you know? Like even we talked about that fucking... Yeah, power Slap. Yeah, I don't like Power Slap. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. Jesus Christ. Um, I didn't bring it up, man. I'm just telling you, okay? Um, no, but but here's the thing, okay? <clears throat> we talked about the fucking Deontay Wilder, fucking Francis Ngannou shit that's mm-hmm. some circus show shit okay yeah it is i 
wouldn't want to see that next. But if it happens, I'm going to fucking watch it. Right. And we're right. going to talk about it. And I'm going to be on, fuck, on board for it because that's the kind of fucking circus shit that I can get into. Okay? Right. It is. It's a one-off. It's a one kind of thing. It's a fucking spectacle thing. I like those kinds of things. I don't like the ones that are spectacles that are then built to look like the real thing and then delegitimizes the real thing. Exactly. That's what I don't like. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and so, yeah. So as far as champ champs go, if you're a real champ champ, that's good. But the other thing is like, to be honest with you, there's always been fucking champ champs because at one time the UFC couldn't fucking afford to pay their, well, they really can't. I mean, they can afford to pay them, but they, <laughs> they choose just not to, yeah. but that's another, that's another, uh, fucking show of one of many. But the, the fact is, is that there was a time where they couldn't pay their fighters and you know what happened? Their champions had to leave and fight in other promotions yep. and they became double champions there too. Yep. The whole champ thing, if you really were to put it on paper and look at fucking champ, their fighters, like we talked about Eddie Alvarez, he's won fucking champions in almost every fucking Absolutely. promotion he's been in. He's been the champion of, yep. you know what I'm saying? How does that, when you stack up against champ champs, it's like, that's a fucking champ champ. That's pretty, you know what I'm saying? A, that's a champ champ champ. I, I mean, mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're even more champs. <clears throat> so it's just like, that's what, that's what I'm talking about is that, if we look at champ champ status only through the UFC, then it's it's a filtered version, and then we're gonna also get a fucking very, you know, f I don't know what the word is like, fucking skeptical like looking, you know, reason of it through the UFCs because the UFC is such an entertainment based organization first anymore, right? And so yeah, and so. I have no problem with champ champs and champ champs are just as old as time. Anybody who's been a champion of one thing, even in, you know, collegiate sports, there's a champion of one weight division and then that champion decides to challenge himself and he tries to, to you know, go against the champion up above him. happens all, happens all the time, happens in fucking high schools and colleges happens all the fucking time. Right. And this shit happens. And that's just part of sport. Right. right. That's just part of taking on the next great challenge and testing yourself against it. And if you win, if you win, it's a fucking amazing. And if you lose, fuck, dude, you still have the fucking balls to do it. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, the other people wouldn't even fucking do it. No, you know that's what I'm the saying? point. You challenged yourself. Yeah. That's the point. Yes. Right. It's yes. like, you know, and, and not to say that, hey, this road was too easy. Yeah. But at, at some point you do. You want to be like, let's. Let's go harder. Yeah. Let's go bigger. Yeah. Let's, you know. Let's... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And recognize it for what it really is. You know, there's a big part of today's culture. And I've been, you know, I've had my own fucking parts to play in it as well. But there's a big part of today's culture where we like to undermine a lot of, you know, um, the accolades and the fucking the, you know, we like to maximize the triumphs minimize fucking the work ethic and the fucking actual determination that it takes to do certain things. And it gives it a really hollowed out perspective of whatever it is that you're looking at it. And mm -hmm. so when it comes to these kinds of things, whether it's in sport, fucking whether it's in whatever in life, right? Like it's important to value the amount of time and dedication and work and energy and all that that went into it because that's the full version of what it is to have the true appreciation that 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 it should that it should get you know what i'm saying and um it's just yeah i mean not not to get on a fucking rant about it but <laughs> but i'm just saying that's a big problem with today's culture you know it's just like recently it's like um i seen um there was a video on fucking tiktok of 
uh, Clarissa Shields, and she was training with uh, some fucking dude, some boxer dude, and the boxer dude fucking knocked her on her ass, right? They were yeah. sparring, yeah. and he knocked her on her ass. And fucking, you go into the comments, and it's just like, all these fucking beta cuck fucking dudes that are just like, oh, fucking, oh, that's what you get for fucking training with a man, and oh, that's what you get for fucking da-da-da. I'm like, dude, she's a fucking female. She fucking, you know, challenging herself. Boxing a fucking dude boxer, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Fucking got knocked down. Fucking oh well, dude, you're a dude. Why don't you go in and fucking box another dude? You don't even box another <laughs> know, dude. She's a fucking girl and she yeah. did it. And you're gonna yeah. fucking minim- and you're gonna minimize her fucking effort. Right, right. It's that kind of shit where I'm just like, dude, this is the world we live in. You know what I'm saying? And how we choose to look at these things and how we choose to fucking you know. Uh, classify and label these kinds of things depicts how the rest of the world sees these kinds of things and it's just like that that's my thing is that especially the older i get the more i'm just like dude like jesus christ you know it's just like actually think about what it is that you're fucking looking at what you're viewing what it is you're fucking you know uh holding up to be like this great thing it's like with the whole conor mcgregor thing you hold him up oh he's a champ champ you know doesn't defend it his belts is a champ champ what does that mean it doesn't really mean much. You know what I'm saying? In the great scheme of things, it really doesn't mean much. It means that you were able to get in a position and the fucking promotion got on your side and you were able to fucking make it work out. I'm not saying he didn't do it. No, I'm not, no. but I'm just saying that no, fucking, but, no, but that's the thing. Like when you, when you take it, when you take that step back and you look at it, <clears throat> you realize what it was, was he won a couple fights in a row. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he only got those fights because no. him and the UFC were yes. so partnered in. No, I know. He didn't do anything to deserve exactly. those. He no, just exactly. got in that position and was like, dude. And they were like, you want, you want to make some money? Oh, let's make some money. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. No, but it wasn't like he took the road. It wasn't even like he had a, a terribly difficult road even to get the 145 belt, but he got it. Yeah. You know, he was making the way he got it. Yeah. But then, yeah, immediately, no defenses, went right up, no contenders fights, and got the fight at the next weight class and got the belt there. So like I said, when you take that step back and you look at it, really what that accomplishment is, is you had a couple of good nights, you won a couple of fights in a row, and they just happened to have, you know, belts attached. 100%. Like that's, that's, uh, yes, 100%. Yeah. I, couldn't agree, I couldn't agree with you more. So then you take a look at somebody like Pera when he does it, and it's like, dude, like, I respect that so much more. Yeah. Like, to me, that's yeah. a double champ. Like, to me, that's a double champ, yeah. right? That's what I think about a double champion. Not just being able to just have two belts and be able to take a picture of them. Like, right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? You yes. have the records. You have the wins and the losses that are associated with both. You fuck, You didn't have to fucking suck anybody's fucking dick on the way up to get there. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, needless to say, that's my rant for the fucking for the show. All right. Okay. Um, I know I always say this, but this week's roster re- rewind was difficult. Um... I had it narrowed down to three guys, and as usual, it was like a last minute who was going to get the nod to be on today's show. And I'm going way back in time. Okay? Okay. So, 1993. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Because you might not be far off. (laughs) Um... 1994. 94. 94. Oh, shit. Okay. This guy made his debut. I already know who it is. Who? Zolig Taktara. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not? No. no. Um, Did we do Oleg already? Well, for one of... No, because oh, okay. the week I was going to do it was the week that they the UFC inducted oh, okay. him into the Hall of oh, Fame. Okay. And I was like, okay. well, that's okay. a... 
That's a, but he's yeah he's been a long time. On I just remember us having that conversation, so yeah. I was like, oh, I already know him. No, so so this guy made his debut in UFC four, <clears throat> and um, I know we're gonna have a lot to say about this guy, and I know that so far a lot of these fighters the have been predominantly UFC fighters, but this guy only has one, two, three, four UFC fights, six, five U- UFC fights total. Um, 30 wins, 13 losses, but only five UFC fights. It's not the Beast. It's not the Beast. Huh. It's not the Beast. The Beast has like over 100 fights. Yeah, but only like four or five UFC okay. fights. Okay, yeah. true. Okay. Um, so this guy was actually the biggest in Pancrase. And um, didn't have the greatest start to his career. I think he was 4-3-1 and one at one point. <clears throat> but today's uh, roster rewind is... Guy Mezger. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Yeah. UFC 4? Was yep. he what, an alternate? Was that what the, he was or what? UFC 4, he fought Jason Farron, got a TKO corner stoppage, and, um, yeah, it was an alternate battle. Yeah, had so, to have So been, he wasn't yeah. part of the tournament. Yeah. It was They didn't need him, but he fought as an alternate. He for fought it. as Holy an alternate. Shit. And if somebody would have fallen out. It was so out, funny because you're, you're like, Pancras, and I'm like, Ken Shamrock? No, he was UFC 1. I'm like trying to figure out who the fuck you're talking about. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> <No>. yeah. um, <laughs> and then in, in, in UFC 5, he was an alternate as well. Um, he got a TKO over John Dowdy. And, but then after that, he really became one of the faces of Pancras. Yeah. And not just that. But one of the main leaders at the Lions Den. Yeah. Well, and then he fought fucking Ortiz. Right? So that so that was his second, you know, so he, he amasses this really good record. He's got KO slams, head kick KOs, doctor stoppages, um, he's beaten Yuki Kondo, he's beaten Semi Shelt, Ryushi Tanasagawa, Minori Suzuki, you know, Pancrase really had a lot of talent back yeah. in the day. Like they put on some good shows. Um, and then he's he gets back into the UFC, and enters at that time what would have been the lightweight tournament finals. Yeah, but you know how the weight classes were two hundred five, two two hundred four and under. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, or was it just two hundred? It might. It might actually 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 just been two hundred. Yeah, I remember it was two hundred and one. Anyways, okay. But but yeah, the weight classes were a lot different back then. <laughs> yeah, there was two. There was two. There, there was, was heavyweight and lightweight. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was under 200 and over 200. It was men and real men. <laughs> <laughs> so so he, he gets in, and he actually is part of the tournament because he has a great career going on in Pancrase. He beats uh, Christoph Leninger, Leninger uh, by decision. Then he goes in against, at that point, one of the big up-and-comers, huge name in UFC, right? Tito Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a reserve b- bout, though, wasn't it? It was an actual no, tournament he, fight? No, he won. He won the tournament by beating Tito Ortiz. Oh, wow. And that was their first fight? And that was their first so fight. So Tito had a fight prior that was a reserve bout. That's why I'm thinking okay, that. So okay. he had had a reserve bout before. Okay. And and so do you remember how that fight played out? Because Tito was winning. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was like knees to a downed opponent or punches to the back of the head, but for some reason, or a cut. But they stop the fight, mm-hmm. and they get, and he gets the stand up. Mm-hmm. And when Tito goes back in for the takedown, he gets submitted. Guy Metzger yeah. just locks up that guillotine yeah. and chokes him out. Yeah. But Tito was winning that fight up until that point. Yes. He was really putting it on. Yeah, Guy he was. Yeah, taking him down because that's basically all Tito. Well, that was pretty much his whole career was yeah. just to take him down and ground and pound. Yeah. Take him down, ground and pound. But he, he was, was really good at it. Yeah. I mean, that was you know, that was his thing. That was one of the nice things 
you know, people that got takedowns back in the day actually beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that anymore, you know? Um, so, so, Andre yes. Munez. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking, you done fucked up, buddy. Um, <clears throat> so, of course, after that, he goes back to Pancrase, um, has another huge story career. Uh, Masakatsu Funaki mm-hmm. fights Semi Shilt again, fights Yuki Kondo Damn, again. Damn, he fought Shimmy Shilt over there? Yeah, twice. Holy shit. Twice. What, he what were the Shilt. results of those fights? They went one and one. Oh, Jesus I Christ, know. dude. You um, got a fucking UFC lightweight versus a fucking K1 fucking heavyweight. It's a fucking so. seven footer, dude. Like, Sammy Shilt was gigantic. Um, uh, great, great fights against Kazushi Sakuraba. Um, you know, one of those just epic marathon fights where wow. he just had to retire. Wow. Like, it just went on so long and he was so beat, he had to retire. Akira Shoji, remember he fought that guy, Masaka Satake. Um, went got, into pride. He did, he did. Um, we're not quite there Check, yet because he gets one more God shot. God damn, he had a fucking whole That's what I'm saying. That's why. And, and, and again, and, and this whole time, this whole time, he's building the Lions Den, right? Yeah, well, and, yeah, him and Shamrock. Right, right and yeah. so many good fighters were coming out of the Lions Den. It was one of the big camps <laughs> yeah. in the early days. One of the, of yeah, one of the first big camps. Exactly. It may have even been the first the big first camp. The first big camp, I exactly. Mean, Frank Shamrock, fucking Jerry Bolander, yes. fucking Mikey Burnett, fucking uh, Vernon Tiger White, yes. fucking Pete Smith, or Pete, not Smith, Pete. Pete Spratt. Pete. No, Pete fucking the Williams? guy that we talked about, Williams. Pete Williams. Pete Williams. Right. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so he was, you know, he, he was big. He's one of the guys that made combat combat yeah. fighting back in the yeah. day. You know, he was yeah. there from the beginning. He yeah. was responsible for that next generation. Had a great career on his own. Um, got one more chance to be in the UFC back in UFC nineteen. It was a rematch with Tito Ortiz, which he lost ten minutes into the first round. Mm-hmm. Again, back when they're still doing like, I don't even think there are rounds. I think you just fight until... What, what was it? UFC which one? UFC 19. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been um, pre-Zufa, so... Right. So they yeah. were still doing... Like, you just fought until... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> until you, they, somebody probably, quit. It, it was probably... Let's be honest. At that point, they were changing the rules every single event because it was, like, starting to be, like, severely outlawed. Like, you could... It wasn't even on TV at that point anymore. And right. most states weren't even going to sanction the fights happening so there'd be like a card where it was like you couldn't punch and then there'd be a card where it was like you know what i'm saying so like it really depended the rule set depended on whichever card it was because they had to go through all these special rules just to have the fucking fights yeah so then he starts the pride his pride tenure um that's where he he fights uh masaki satake Mm -hmm. of course gets matched up with wanderlei silva we all know how that goes (laughs) because Everybody that fought Wanderlei back then got knocked the fuck fucking out. Axe murder, like yes. na- nasty style. That was yes. some fucking violence. Um, but he did. But he got you know submissions over Sam Adkins. Fought Alexander Otsuka twice. TKO'd him twice. Egan Inoue. Oh wow. He got a win over, and then met up with Chuck Liddell in the Clash of the Titans. Yeah, got to welcome Chuck to Pride. Yep, which yep. didn't work out so much. Folded so him well like a him. fucking chair. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was a crazy knockout. And then ended his career in 02 fighting um, Yoshi, Yoshihisa Yamamoto and Little Nogue, Hogerio Nogera. In? In Pride. In Pride? Pride, Cold that was That was the last time he fought? Yep. Wow. So. Wow. <clears throat> when he went out on top, though, you know, fighting in Pride, especially at absolutely, that time. Absolutely. That was the top. The so, golden age yeah. of Pride. Best yeah. fighters are yeah. there. Yeah. And, yeah, so. 
like I said, a lot of a lot of respect for Guy Mesker. Was one of the original original fighters. And again, not even not even UFC, because back then there were legitimate organizations competing for UFC. And Pancrase was doing it right. Pride was doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. A hundred percent. Um, yeah. Um, that's the thing about it too, is that like when you, when you go back through these eras, it, you know, in mixed martial arts, it's hard, I think, to try to paint the picture, or describe it well enough for people in the modern age because, I mean, it's so fucking like accepted now in the pub into the public right. culture. I mean, that's why when you're going over his career in in um, Pancrase. Like, I didn't even know about his fights with Shimmy Shield or his fights with Sakuraba. Because you never got a chance to see him. Fuck no. You didn't get to see that shit here. I mean, it wasn't until fucking Pride started um, being on pay-per-view that you got it, which was right around 2003, that you got to even watch the fucking, even have an option, it was 1999, (laughs) to to watch fucking (laughs) that shit. Look at you, UFC. And so, (laughs) UFC was (laughs) $29.99 at that time. Um, But yeah, but that was, you know... And so, yeah, and so that's why, man, like, he had he had multiple careers. He had a career that was in the UFC. He had the career that was in Pancrase. He had a career that was in Pride. That was his whole career. Nowadays, fighters will have a whole career in the UFC. Yeah. They'll come in, the contender yeah. series, they'll have fights. They'll go off and do something else, mm-hmm. right, um, when it doesn't work out for them or whatever, whatever promotion, Bellator, PFL, whatever, that's because it's so much more accepted. Back then... I mean, it was, they were literally having to go, like, hunt down to find where they could even, like, have, not only have the fights to get paid from, but then have enough exposure to make the kind of money that you would need to for the kind of fights that you were putting on, that you're putting your body through. Which is... Which is one of the reasons why they fought so often. Yes. Right? Yeah, because they needed to. They, you, yeah, you're, you're only, you're only making to. like $400 and $500 a fucking fight. So it's like, dude, you better be fucking fighting. You yeah. Know? 1995, he fights in April, July, September, November, <laughs> December. Then he fights again in January, March, April, 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 May, June. Like, I mean, this guy probably put in 20 fights in two years, man. Fuck, I know. And that's even the crazier thing. And yeah, the sport wasn't evolved to the way it was today, but it's like... It doesn't matter to the fucking brain. You know no, what I'm saying? No, that's still fucking, no. you know? And, and it's just like, man, that's what we're talking about, okay? When you talk about the guys that built this fucking sport, I mean, and fighters today really aren't making, like, great money. I mean, at the top promotion, they're really not. But that's the point, is that, like, these guys literally were fighting for the fucking love of fighting. Like, literally, yes. that's what it was. Yes. Like, they were fucking literal <clears throat> warriors because mm-hmm. it was like... You weren't getting shit out of it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You wasn't getting televised. You weren't getting fucking fame. People would know who the fuck you were. There was no guarantee that this was going to pan out in the future. That there would even be people like me and you here today to talk about them. Yep. To be like, these guys built the thing. I mean, it'd be like, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, it's fucking illegal. It's fucking, you can't fucking watch this shit. I mean, it's just like. You're not even telling people you do it for a living. I know. Like, I know. Exactly. And you're still fighting fucking like 15 times a year. It's just yep. like. Uh, it's fucking. It's, that's so crazy. That's so crazy. I know, and 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 it's and which makes it hard for me, um, you know, in my perspective, because all I remember from Guy Mesger is his UFC stunt and you know some of the and the fights that he had in Pride. Yeah. Those are that's it. That's yeah. all I remember of his because that's all I, I got to watch. But um, yeah, man, um, he played a major part in 
the beginning of the UFC, okay? And not just from a standpoint like we talk about all these fucking fighters, you know, putting it on their backs and paving the road, okay? But here's the thing. He fought fucking Tito Ortiz, okay, mm-hmm. in the beginning. This was before Tito was the, was the champion. Yeah. Then Tito became the f- fucking, I don't know if he was, yeah, I think he was the first, well, he wasn't the first lightweight champion. Ken Shamrock was the first, or Frank Shamrock was the first lightweight champion middleweight was yeah, what it was called but right. it, you know what i'm saying right but he was the first 200 pound champion okay yeah. and tito couldn't beat fucking frank and no. then frank left and told the ufc fuck you and that's why fucking till to this day he still won't be accepted into the fucking hall of fame because they're fucking petty as fuck about that kind of shit yeah. um but then he became then tito lost the fight but won the decision to Vanderlei in Japan and then became the fucking UFC middleweight champion, lightweight, middleweight, whatever. It was that same weight division. He became that champion. And, um, you know, he his first fight that really, like, put him on the map, Tito Ortiz, was against Ken Shamrock. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. was when Ken Shamrock had went to... He had, he had made his name in the early years of the UFC and then went and, and created the Lions then and the rest of that, but then went to the WWF at the time right. and made a persona there and was involved with all their big level shit. He had matches against the rock and all that shit, you know, degeneration X, all that shit, part of the uh, corporate shit, all that. And so at that time, young people who had watched the, you know, my age, my generation who had watched the UFC, and then also were, you know, bearing witness to the golden years of the WWF, WCW type shit. Right. They knew who Ken Shamrock was, okay? So this was the first, like, fucking star that could come into the UFC. Right. And that could give the UFC some legitimacy at a time when they needed it the most. So this was right after Zufa bought him, and Zufa was pumping this money, and they were having fight cards at... The fucking, you know, Trump Taj Mahal out in Atlantic City because that was the only place that they could really, you know, have fights. And so they, so Tito was their champion at this time. And Tito was going to fight Ken Shamrock. But how that fight came together was based off of the Guy Mesger rematch. Right. So Guy Mesger had beat Tito Ortiz all those years before. Tito was beating Guy and then fucking... They, like you said, they stopped it. Tito went in for a takedown again, got caught in a submission, tapped out. It obviously weighed on his conscience. Mm-hmm. He became the champion. He got a chance to revenge against Guy Mesger. He beats Guy Mesger by not letting himself get into a position to get tapped yes. out. Yes. And then puts on this shirt that says, That's what Gay it was. Mesger's my bitch. That's what okay? it was. And put the shirt on and wore the shirt. And when he did... The Lions Yes, it, and Ken Shamrock was yeah. in his corner, and Ken Shamrock got on top and was, like, fucking pointing at Tito Ortiz in his face and the rest of it, and then that was enough to get Ken Shamrock to come back yes. to the UFC and fight Tito. to fight Tito yeah. to be like, no, you fucking, you know, made the Lions Den look bad, you fucking yep. whatever the rest. So then he came in to do that, and that, having that matchup, I remember that's not only was it what helped get eyes back on the sport, but they put that... Uh, pre-fight press conference, which was Dana White, fucking skinny and had hair, fucking this little <laughs> and frail the, dude, and the missing teeth, yeah, and fucking yeah. and this little frail fucking business <laughs> weasel, fucking yeah. standing there in the middle, and you had fucking Tito Ortiz on one side and Ken Shamrock on the other side, and there's nobody else. 
on in this fucking pre-fight press conference and Ken Shamrock's going off and he's talking to Tito and he's like, you know, he's telling him um, the Im- the infamous fucking, I'm going to beat you into a living death. <laughs> to a living and, death. And Tito and starts laughing. With that and, crazy maniacal, yeah. like fake laughing. Yeah. He was just yeah. like, ah! Yeah, and like, fucking Ken Shamrock kicks the fucking <laughs> yep, chair yep. up above, yes, stand above. Yes. Dana White freaks out because he's fucking <laughs> this little dude caught in the I middle know. of this shit. That's what I'm saying. None of that would have happened without Guy Mesger. Yep. Guy Mesger yep. came in, beat Tito in the beginning, weighed on Tito, Tito's contest. Tito then did this whole fucking t-shirt thing, which then became Tito's thing. Then he would constantly went after that and have these stupid fucking t-shirts every time that he put out. on. Every time. And he'd fucking wear them and he'd put yep. them on and be like, oh, fucking t-shirt. Yep. Tell, say what I want to say kind of thing. But that's what I'm saying. That is the level, uh, the, the pivotal level of Guy Mesger in the UFC because without that... We wouldn't have got the Ken Shamrock versus Tito Ortiz match. And without that, I don't know if we ever would have had enough eyeballs to get back onto the sport after they had pushed it into the fucking dark ages. Probably wouldn't have had the eyes on tough on the ultimate fighter. I mean, yeah, no, exactly. You know or, yeah, or yeah, or any of that shit. I mean, yeah. literally the that was what got that was right when they were able to come back on pay-per-view and it was enough to get people to order the pay-per-views and then to be like, Oh yeah, I remember this stuff. Yes. This was crazy. Yeah. And you know, it's it was a fucking history since then. But that's what I'm saying. Yep. So No, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, shout out to Guy Mesker. Yes. Yeah. Last time Many last things. time I heard fucking he was still he had like a gym in like fucking Texas and he was still training guys. Um he was still doing something not that long ago. Like he was still training with like some champion was going down there and training with him or something. I think it may have been um Maybe Hendrix? I don't know. But somebody from fucking, you know... Right. Now it would have been a fucking, you know... It was, you know, last decade or so. But still. But still. Um, yeah. Shout out to fucking... Guy no, Mesger. I know he still does it. I know he still has gyms and trains. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. Awesome rest of we win. So... Sweet. All right. Um, yeah. And with that, we will head to round three. All right. So, um, there's a lot of deliberating over the different questions that we had. And I thought that this one, because here's the thing. We had some questions that we not only were going to get to before, which we talked about. We had circled a whole bunch of um, that kind of stuff. But this fucking UFC card that's coming up this weekend, this the last UFC card of the year, is fucking major. So there's a lot of shit that's going to get unpacked when we talk about this card coming up. So, like, mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff had to get put on to the back burner because, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. So if your question didn't get answered, just know it's about to get answered, okay? But this was a question that we had got from before, and we had talked a little bit about maybe addressing it and then decided not to, but here we go. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on UFC five? Uh, if you played it, do you, do you play video games? <laughs> have you played any MMA video games? And if so, what's your favorite? <clears throat> uh, I have not played UFC five. Why? Why have you not played it? It's only the best game ever. <laughs> Haven't you seen the commercials? I, nine out of nine, 10 out of 10. I so have this feeling that it's not. It's a fucking piece of shit. Um, yeah, it's a it's a straight piece of shit. What was the last? Maybe I played some four. What was the one we used to play back in the day? Was that three? Was UFC that... undisputed. Was it undisputed? Yeah, undisputed three. Okay. We used to have overnight tournaments. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> playing UFC two. Uh, I'd, I'd have buddies come over and we'd we would do t- full on tournament styles yeah. where you'd pick you'd pick a couple of fighters yeah. and we'd have yeah. full on tournaments that full lasted. on tournaments yeah. and fucking lines. Like we'd and make a whole events. Like we'd make yeah. full on fight cards. Yeah. We'd have just rails. Play, I mean, we had fucking fight cards. <laughs> we had we was a fucking full on deal. All right. Oh. Yes, yes. I remember. I remember a lot of those vivid nights. Yeah, <clears throat> I remember a lot of those fucking. Leaving your house at fucking five thirty in the morning and beating the sun back (laughs) for those fucking tournaments. Yes, those were some great games. Yeah, okay, those were some fucking great games. That's not what the fuck UFC five is. Um, yeah. So, just real quick for those of you that haven't played UFC five, don't you don't need to. If you played UFC four, you've already played UFC five, so there's no reason to play UFC five. Um, UFC five is a carbon copy of UFC four. Um, very little improvements that were made. Um, the cameras bugged, um, and will constantly in the middle of a match or training session, the camera will start doing three sixties and you can't see what the fuck you're watching. It will get stuck behind the cage. Like when you're at a fight live and you can't see through the fucking cage. Don't know what the fuck's up with that. It's it's adding the element of realism there. (laughs) EA fucking, (laughs) you know, doing their thing. Um, they're fucking, yeah. Like the fucking, the career mode, which is why a lot of people will buy it. That's why I bought it. Um, sucks. Um, it is just as basic as the last one. You fight at the exact same area that you fought in the beginning before you get to the UFC. Um, there's no real change-ups with it. Uh, with it. Um, every fighter in the career mode has the same exact voice. Doesn't matter if it's some guy you just created doesn't matter if it's a female doesn't matter if it is a you know legendary fighter like Fedor or mike tyson they all have the same exact fucking voice um and so now that's a really interesting thing to think about because um one i've never heard Fedor talk so maybe that's you know why i mean you've heard him you just heard (laughs) it in russian (laughs) okay but but tyson Yes. Has a very distinct voice. Distinct voice. Yeah. I mean, come on. And it sounds nothing like fucking Valentina Shevchenko. <laughs> but on the game, it does. It um, kind of does sound like Valentina Shevchenko, though. That's what's funny about Mike Tyson. <sighs> Dude, you're such an asshole. <laughs> um, so, so. I, I just want to say, guys, that, like, <laughs> I'm going to knock him out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the baddest man on the planet over there if I can make jokes about it. Anyways, so, um, no, but here's the thing, okay? The game sucks, okay? Okay. And anything, if you guys, if we, if you haven't learned this, let me give you a little secret. Anything that needs that kind of level of promotion and needs to beat it down your throat of how good it is, nine times out of ten is the exact opposite, okay? <sighs> if, if they took that money and put it into the fucking game, they wouldn't need to. Yeah. They wouldn't need the promotion Here's it, okay? Here's the problem. The problem is, is that they sold the rights to EA Sports. Yes. And <laughs> anyone that has ever played Madden... <laughs> knows anybody's played any ea game (laughs) sports game but especially madden like there hasn't been a legitimate overhaul of a football game in the past 20 years no because of ea sports yes exactly because their whole model is every year so they do a little changes promise that they've changed the world promise that they figured it out just so you'll buy the exact same game you bought the last year for you know the for even a higher price. Yeah. But here's the thing: they don't even do that with UFC. You don't even get one every year. Right. So the fact that after fucking three or four years, five years, a new game comes out, the roster sucks. The roster is lacking. There's fucking guys that are fucking 
like contenders that aren't even on the goddamn fucking roster. They, they just put Shafkot on the roster. Okay? Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. Like you're like, why am I playing the why am I playing these fucking game? You know? Right. Fighters that have long retired that aren't even in the UFC anymore. A couple of them are still in there. You can still be Dana White. Um oh fucking so yeah, so needless to say, yes, the game fucking sucks. But the second part to your question, have you ever played any MMA games? You talked about that. Yes, we have. I'm going to tell you right now, I've played a lot of of MMA games. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the best ones are some of the early ones. Some of the early fucking tap out ones were great. Um, I had had tap out too. That was a lot of fun. Pride, if you got to play Pride on PlayStation 2, it was fucking awesome. Never got to play that. But there was one, maybe we didn't get to play it together, but it was... uh, God, there was another from one of the smaller organizations. What was that? There was EA MMA. Is that what it was, maybe? EA MMA was good. Okay, that might have been yeah, what it was. it was. Because it was all the other sub-organizations. Yes, it was yeah. all the other sub-organizations yeah. under one. They had all the other champions. At that time, it would have been like fucking Bellator yeah. and fucking all those guys were in it. But then they also had a thing set up which EA would never do again because it would drastically cut their profit margin. They had a create fighter thing that you could tap into on that game so that anybody could make any fighter so that your roster was massive because it was already all these fighter promotions, the Affliction promotion, right. Bellator, all these other promotions. They had all those fighters that were in there, all these you know independent fighters and stuff. But then they also had this create a fighter share thing so that anybody could make any fighter with their realness and the way that they fight and stuff. And then you could use that fighter. So literally your roster was unlimited. Literally it was just like anybody you could think of. And if you couldn't, you could make them and then everybody could have that. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, that, that was good. That was, that was a good, that was the one good EA MMA game that they made. Um, and, and they've never made another one, but, um, but no, but the best, my, my fucking opinion of the best, MMA game that was ever made was um, UFC Undisputed 3. It was made by THQ. Um, it had Anderson Silva on the cover. It was the greatest hits for, I think it was the PlayStation 3. Um, That's when we were playing? Um, it could have been. It was definitely one of the Undisputed. Yeah. We played those Undisputed ones. It was yeah. like Undisputed 2009, Undisputed 2010, Undisputed yeah. 3, right? I, yeah. Um, so what Undisputed 3 had was it had a pride mode. And so you could go... And no, and that's what it was, yeah. because we would do Pride yeah. events. and you could yes. go to Pride, and you would have the Pride rule set yes. when you fought in Pride. You could yes. fight in the Saitama Super Arena, yes. and you could have soccer kicks to the head and stomped... Yep. You could take UFC fighters and f- put them in Pride. You could yes. bring Pride fighters over to the UFC. It was awesome. It yep. was fucking awesome. I mean, it was literally like... And, and, and EA could do this shit today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah. and and even yeah. more so. They could have fucking. We've talked about this before. They could have fucking WEC, Strike Force. They could have all these fucking promotions of all this shit, yeah. and you could be, you know, going through timelines and getting fighters and bringing them in to fight the new fighters and create who's the best pound for pound of all time. Like you could literally have those happening in simulation in the video game. UFC owning all the rights, um, but EA are a bunch of fucking hacks. So you're never gonna get that. Um, so yeah, so my viewpoint, the best MMA game that I've ever played to this point is a uh, UFC, um, undisputed three. And I would still play the shit out of that. I, I still have a copy of it, but I don't have a PlayStation three that works. If I did, I would still play. You could play that shit online. So you could play against people online and play yeah. in pride. Wars I remember, online. I remember I did. I didn't. Yeah. And I remember you did too. And I remember you actually did pretty, pretty good. I didn't. I was like a 
a 50 50 500 yeah online but uh but yeah you could yeah, yeah that was a, there was a lot of there was a lot of different things you could do with that game which was what made it what made it so great yeah yeah exactly and especially for the time period what you were able to do with it it was basically everything you could ask for up to that time was right. was in that game you know um so yeah so fucking ufc Fucking quit, get, quit selling the rights to EA, making fucking money. They fucking can't make a fucking game. Where the <laughs> fuck? You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, Jesus <clears throat> Christ. So anyways. Okay. Yeah. Good questions, guys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good questions. Okay, so let's move on. We'll move on to round three. Um, we really only have two cards here to wrap up the end of the year. We have a uh, the great UFC card, which I want to end with. But okay. before that, let's talk about the Ryzen um, the end of the Eve? year. Yeah, the yeah, New Year's Eve New card. New Year's Eve card, um, which is awesome. So this is like uh, the the back-in-the-day Pride yes. thing or dream thing where they yes. would come together and they'd have these huge... Japan. This is Japanese yeah. culture. So Japan, how they like to bring in the New Year in Japan is it's really interesting. <laughs> it's they like, like to have these big over the top mixed martial arts fights or kickboxing one man one night tournaments or whatever and eat fried chicken and go watch them, okay? I love it. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Someday I got to fucking partake in that cuz cuz I mean fucking yeah, like there's nothing better to end wow. the year than some mega fucking car <laughs> and some fucking maybe not KFC, but some fucking some dank yeah. ass food, some fucking, you know. Yeah. Well, so KFC chicken's not dank, but we could get yeah. some dank fried chicken yes. and we could watch that Rising yeah. New Year's Eve card. Yeah. So speaking of the Rising New Year's Eve card, um some, you know, really good fighters on it. The main event is Juan Archuleta, who's done really well in Ryzen. Mm-hmm. Um, Bellator fighter, um, former champ. Is it Bellator champ? They say, they show fucking double champs. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, um, fighting uh, Kai Asakura, yep. who's the Ryzen champ. So, um, bantamweight. So, yeah. So no, that that'll be a be, great fight. Yeah, that'll be a great fight. Uh, Horiguchi also fighting Hora on the card. fucking Gucci. Yes. Still fucking fighting. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, um, he's fighting on the card. Um, yeah, there's a, there's yeah. a whole bunch so, of Yeah, so, Herbst. Yes, Herbst. Kyber exactly. Herbst. Yep, Herbst. Yep. Um, but that's not an, is that an MMA fight? It's MMA. Gotcha. Yep. Nice. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. John Dodson also <clears throat> fighting on the card. That should be good. Yep. Um, will be a good card. be a good way to end the year. It's going to be a great card. It's going to be a spectacle. Should be good. Uh, And it looks like it will be... um, Saitama Super Arena. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, baby. Fucking the classic. And as we have been alluding to all night, it is UFC 296 to end out the year. One massive pay-per-view card. Um, I don't know, man. There's fucking so many fights with this card. Where do you want to start? Um, yeah, let's start at the bottom and work our way up to the main card. Yep. Um, the prelims have got some names. You know, you've got uh, Salakov and Randy Brown. You know, neither of these guys are really going to be contenders, but it'll be a good scrap. Um, like I said, their names. Um, Andre Feely, Lucas Alameda. Yes. A couple of names. Um, Cody Durden, um, Ulan Bekov will be another really good fight. Uh, probably the main event on the prelims, though. This is the early prelims. The early prelims is going to be... Alonzo Menafield versus Dustin Jacoby. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, 100%. Um, light heavyweight fight. Both guys super heavy hitters. Both guys ranked. Um, <clears throat> both of these guys could could be moving up. Yeah. Both you know? these guys can turn the other guy's lights out. Yeah. And probably will. Yeah. So... Um, I, 
I think Dustin Jacoby's probably on a, the, a better trajectory than Menafield. Um, so I do expect him to win. He is the betting favorite. Yes. Um, well, Dustin Jacoby, also former glory kickboxer, right, um, has right. that prestige as well as his MMA record, which is no joke. I mean, he just got, you know, what is he on a, I know he's on a two, I know he's one. I don't know. So he did lose the round tree. Yep. Right. But then but he, he beat, knocked out. Yeah. Your fucking Kennedy. And Jack Wu. Yeah. In, yep. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So he's coming off of that win, um, that knockout over in Jeku in the first round. Um, won me some money on that one, and I'm going to put some more money on this one for a KO, Lonzo Minifield. Lonzo Minifield's no joke, though. He's a fucking heavy-handed dude, too. Um, he is... Um, he's a killer-be-killed fighter, for sure. Yeah, he is coming off of a win over Crute. Yep. Submission. Jimmy Crute. Yep. Um, and that was there was a majority draw because he had to fight crew. He had to fight crew twice. Yeah. Um, but he also put Serkinov's lights out. Yes. So exactly. Yeah. No, he's, he's a heavy ended dude. He's no slouch. Um, yeah. So I just, yeah. I'm Dustin Jacoby fan. He's out of Colorado. Heavy ended dude. We gotta, I gotta, gotta see how that goes. So, yeah. All right. And then we get to the prelims and, uh, the prelims, uh, have some, Pretty interesting fights on there. We started off with Casey O'Neill versus Irene Lipinski. Um, I really like Casey O'Neill in this. The odds makers really like Casey O'Neill in this. They have her as a two to one um, favorite. I think it could even be higher. Yeah, I think that's the smart money. I don't want to discount uh, Ariane Lipsky though. She's, oh yeah, oh, she's yeah. a good fighter. Like, no, she she, is. she has avenues to win this fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Casey O'Neill is the rightful betting favorite, but um, I just don't want to count out Ariane. She's she's a good fighter, man. Yeah, especially these days. I'm telling yeah. you, these fucking the ones you think are the severe underdogs anymore. Fucking, <laughs> yeah. they're probably gonna win. They're probably gonna be <laughs> the next champion. So just fucking yeah, just hold on to your horses on that one. Um, then we have Cody Garbrandt versus Brian Kelleher. Um, Garbrandt's last gasp. It's, very well could be. Um, really interested in this matchup. Um, like both these guys, I just feel like I don't really know what's left in the tank with Garbrandt. Um, kind of echoing your sentiment there. Um, and Keller hasn't fought in a while. I know that he hasn't fought in over a year, and he's coming off of two losses by submission. But prior to that, he was surging to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't think that Garbrandt's going to be – threatening with any type of submissions no i think if anything garbrandt's going to be threatening with not getting um clipped and dropped yeah um because that's been his mo mainly recently and not to throw him under the bus i'm just saying that like that's just it's just the way it's been no that's just the way it's been he's got in his last seven fights he's got five ko or tko losses and his only wins have really come by decision because he's been wrestling and controlling his opponents not because he's been you know, beating them or getting into firefights. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, Irene Aldana is going to be fighting, uh, Carol Rosa. Like both these ladies should be a good fight. Um, Irene Aldana, maybe one of the best boxers and female MMA today. Carl Rosa, really good submission, tough, mm-hmm. uh, fighter. Um, yeah. 
Um, they got Irene Aldana as a two to one favorite. I like Irene in this, but I think that this is a much closer fight stylistically than the last female fight. Yeah, see, I'm going uh, Carol Rosa in this one. <clears throat> I feel like having her base be uh, the jiu-jitsu, I think she's going to work on her stand-up so that she can get to Irene's level. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives her more opportunities to win this fight. I think she's I think she's more than game, and I think she's, I think she's on her way up. Okay. Um... Then we have Josh Emmett versus Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell coming in here on a couple weeks' notice. Who was it supposed to be? Do you recall? I can't um, remember who he was supposed to be fighting. I wonder if they'll put it on here. I do still like the matchup. No. Um, I think these. I think this is a good matchup for both. Um, Emmett's been fighting nothing but killers lately. Yeah. Doesn't have the best record against all those killers, but he's still he's been fighting the top of the division. I mean, he just fought Ilya Taporia. Exactly. Who's fighting for the title. And then he just fought Yair Rodriguez. Yeah. And then he just fought, I can't remember if it was Arnold Allen or somebody else, but like. Yeah, maybe her, uh, was it, uh, um, what's the dude from Boston? Um, I can't remember, but, but like I said, he's, he's just been fighting the top of the division. Yeah. Calvin, yeah, Calvin Cater, Cater. Yeah, from and then and Danny Gay and yeah. Shane Burgos, yeah. like and Mursad Bektik, like yeah. the, it's all this dude does is fight people in the, top, the top five and ten. Yeah, like. exactly. And he has more wins than he has losses yeah. when it comes to those guys. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. just recently that he's been on this streak. Um, I don't know how you feel about this one. Um, if this, I'll be honest with you, if this would have been a fight that would have been pre-scheduled before, and Bryce Mitchell had a real camp, he's tough. I probably would have favored him. He's not. He's coming around on a couple weeks' notice. Bryce Mitchell, he's crazy. We love him. All that to be said, I like Josh Emmett in this fight. So the difference for me between these two fighters is win or lose, Emmett is consistent. Yes. He's going to hit you hard. He's going to have great defensive wrestling. It's going to be a fight. Bryce Mitchell is the less consistent of the two. If he's really on, he can be really on. He wrestles like a motherfucker. He can put anybody on their back. Yeah. But he doesn't always show up. That's true. That's true. And even in his last fight against Dan Ige, um, he was there, but he took a lot of punishment to get that submission. And Dan Ige doesn't hit like Josh Hammond hits. No, no. So if you start, if he's going to have to take that level of punishment to maybe get the finish, uh, we're going to see no, how, I, how long he can keep his lights on. No, I absolutely agree with you. I think Emmett's defensive wrestling is good enough, and I think it plays into how Josh wants to fight. Yeah. You know, yeah. because he's going to stuff your takedowns, force you to strike for a little bit, and that's where he and that's where he's going to hit you. Exactly, and it's interesting too because Emmett's number six, Mitchell's number ten, and Emmett was the one that had the fight scheduled, and he's the underdog. Yeah, that is interesting. All right, so moving on up, we are going to the main card here. We have Vincent Luque versus Ian <clears throat> Big Mouth Gary. And, I hate uh, this fight. Oh, you hate this fight. I hate this now fight. Now you hate this fight. Okay. Well, Please I, elaborate. I, because um, as as fighters, not as people, as fighters, I'm a big fan of both of these fighters. Okay. I'm a big fan of Luke as a person. He's a good dude. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest fan of Ian Machado, Gary, as a person. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that doesn't matter when you're just tuning in to watch a fight card, yeah, right? Tuning in to watch fight. somebody's yeah. fight. Ian Machado is legit. Like, he's got... Yeah. skills yeah he's got skills yeah. this dude's really good he's really hungry he's yeah. coming for it he's got a good frame he's rangy he's very precise with his striking um yeah, yeah. and and luke is not the fighter that he was when he went on his seven or eight fight winning streak no 
Not and, recently. And so that's why I don't like this fight because <clears throat> um, I do want I want Machado to win and continue to climb the ranks. It just sucks when some of the people that he has to beat to get there are people like Vicente Luque, who I really like, who I don't think can beat him. So here's my thing. Okay. Um, Ian Gary recently has been dabbling in a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, pre-fight, outside of the fight, fucking antics with his opponents. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, <coughs> had the whole um, Jeff Neal mm-hmm. t-shirt incident. Yep. Um, he then, you know, called out uh, Neil Magny. And had this big thing on Neil Magny. And um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think he looked really good in the Neil, Neil Magny fight. He ended up getting the stoppage in the third round. But, um, I mean, Neil looked pretty game for a lot of that fight with him. True. And I was expecting Ian to just, you know, washboard right over him. We all, we all were, yeah. Um, especially with his range, his precise striking. It seemed like stylistically it would be a fucking nightmare for um, Neil Magny, and it ended up being, but it took a long time to get there. Um, I really am starting to wonder if, you know, what, how's that saying go? Uh, be careful if you dabble in poison. Are those that dabble in poison should be careful? You know what I'm saying? Right. Here's the thing. You want to get into the whole aspect of, like, um, you know, talking about fighters personally and bringing up their personal lives and try to create those mind games from it. And then when it comes back on you, <laughs> like it has recently, I mean, not only has not only is he like he's shown cracks is what it is. He's shown cracks in, you know, um, his going at to, yeah, to, yeah to handle it. Yeah, yeah. And going at fucking Sean Strickland to fucking tell him he's going to sue him. When you're a fucking elite fighter, Sean Strickland's a fucking champion. Why you wouldn't use this as a platform to stringboard into something? I have no fucking... And then afterwards, after he tells him he's going to swim, he's like, I'll fight you. Like, it's, it's always interesting to me when you have people that fight for a living yeah. tell somebody that I'm going to sue you. Yeah. It's like, you have the platform to settle your differences yeah. Yeah. in and- the most pure way possible yeah exactly and <laughs> you're a surging contender in the fucking the way division fucking right below yeah. the guy is the fucking new champion and everybody is calling him out and wants a piece of him yeah at the fucking guy right above you like i, I mean know. this isn't fucking brain science here dude like it's and and so there's that um there's the aspect of this that um really makes me questionable for his performance if that's how he acted after calling out neil magny and getting that fight and as close of a fight as ended up being, I'm really starting to question about him having a fucking striking fight against uh, Luke. Maybe it works out good for Luke. Maybe it doesn't. The other thing about this whole thing that I wanted to bring up, though, is that it's kind of crazy to me because you keep hearing people talk about, like, Ian's wife and how, um, and even Sean Strickland was talking about his wife and how, I'm, I don't know if you fucking were caught up on any of this, yeah. but it was about how his wife... Um, had quote unquote wrote a book that mm-hmm. was that was called um, you know like wag like a fucking woman athlete girlfriend or wife athlete girlfriend or right whatever right. some shit dude if you look at what it was it wasn't it wasn't a fucking book it was a fucking little like bullshit fucking like 
spoof thing. It was a little... She worked for a fucking... This was like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. She worked for some fucking news media organization and they did this like little spoof thing where they were like talking about how like, oh, you want to be a wife of an athlete and girlfriend? It was like a five or six little page fucking like it, it was it was a joke it was right. a fucking joke right and then you have all these people all these like fighters and fucking pundits and people weighing in on it and turning it in like did anybody even like think to go look at what the fucking thing was to no, see if it was not. even a fucking book like no of course but not. then everybody's got a fucking opinion on it when nobody <laughs> even fuck you know and that shit drives me insane too because it's just like especially in the world we live in today with having access to all this information at all times to not to be, you know, to not just be like, oh, I wonder what this is. And just go and take a look like, once yeah. again, it's not fucking brain science, guys. Like, yeah. it's not fucking difficult. So, like, that shit fucking, you know, drives me up a wall and fucking, um, because there's, there's stuff going on in the world right now that can, <laughs> that does need a little bit of looked into, you know? And so, um, and so, yeah. And so, anyways, getting back to the fights, um, I really, with him, you know, getting involved with this and really questioning about where his mental stance is on it. Um, you know, the world has kind of collapsed in on him. Will he be one of these guys that can stand up against it and, you know, just be like, fuck you and perform it as best against it? Maybe. Yeah. I think, Hopefully. He, I think he can in the cage. I don't think he can outside of the cage. I mean, but that's the only point that matters is if you can inside the cage. I think he right? can inside the cage. And so, yeah. And so in that scenario, he should be able to win this fight against Luke. Um, Given that fucking Luke is a three to one underdog, I have my questions about it. So I don't think it's a bad idea to put money on him. Here's the thing: if he can get past Vincent Luke in this current mindset, the dude's gonna be fucking one mentally strong individual moving forward. You know what I'm saying? Well, in the cage he will be. No, but that's what I'm saying. That that's the only part that I really care about. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Um. Yeah. Because whatever in his fucking personal life, I don't know. I don't give a shit. Right. Um. Speaking of pieces of shit in real life, no. <laughs> Patty, the baddie, <laughs> Pimblet. Um, uh, yeah. He's not a piece of shit. I'm just saying. I'm just. Saying. He's. Anyways. He can be. He can be an annoying motherfucker. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and he's got to he's got to fight Tony Ferguson. And there's there's a lot of things that go into this. Like Patty hasn't had the greatest showings for as much as they're giving the the Patty the the push, right? Yes. Like he hasn't had the, oh, the greatest showings. They're giving showings. him the push. <laughs> they're giving him the push, and he hasn't really his performances haven't um, lived up to the hype. He's winning. <laughs> he's winning, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, he's getting a judge's decision. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what you want to call it. The yeah. W's are there. <laughs> <laughs> on paper <laughs> <laughs> I still like I still like Patty I still think he wins this mm. but that's why they gave him Tony right Tony yes. hasn't won a fight in six or seven outings um, it, it doesn't it doesn't look good for Tony well, fuck Habib was still fighting when fucking Tony was fighting exactly Tony. exactly um, I mean it seems like everyone has beat Tony at this point um, I don't I don't like a lot of you don't think the Goggins training is going to, like, do anything for him? It, it probably does. It probably made him really healthy. It probably put him in really good shape. Um, the problem is that was never Tony Ferguson's issue. Yeah. Those weren't the things we wanted Tony to work on. Yeah, that's true. Right? It was, yeah, it was. I mean, let's be honest. It's the mental game. Right. right? There's something that he's lost mentally 
that hasn't been there, which has kept him from being able to engage and be threatening at the at a certain level that we've always known Tony right. Ferguson prior to be. Right. Whether it was on his back, whether it was on the feet, whether whatever. Exactly. But even deeper than that, like because there's different parts of this of this mental strength, especially when it comes to prize fighting. Um, you know, we've been watching the sport for years. We've seen these guys. They run 20 miles a day. They have cardio for days. You can't physically break them. Well, they don't all end up becoming champs and winning because that's not like, what makes a champ. That's not what makes a champ. Like you need to go, you need to go get punched in the face. Yeah. Like you got to spar. Yeah. You need to fight some people. Yeah. You need to find out if that's what's going to break you. Yes. You know, and and unfortunately, these are the things that have been breaking Tony. Yes. So it. I would have liked to have seen him do more sparring with different partners, maybe changing up camps and seeing what different people bring to the table. His ground game has severely been lacking lately. It seems like that's where everyone wants to take him. Uh, that Bobby Green fight's the only one that didn't go there, but everyone else has been taking him down, smothering him, getting submissions. Like These were the things we wanted. I wanted Tony to work on, yeah. and it doesn't look like he's he's done it which is pure Tony Ferguson because he's kind of out there. Yeah, and so, he does his own thing. Right, so for him to not even recognize the things he should be working on yeah. but is that's kind what, of par for the course. Yeah, like, and that's what got him, you know, to where he was at, you know, was him doing his own thing, being unconventional, doing his own thing, was part of, like, what got him to, like, that level. So for him to change it, you know... I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it, all it, the it, great it, ones have to do that at some point. I, yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand. But, you know, the other part that I want to put out there to this is that, like, you're right about everything you said. And if he was fighting somebody that was a real threat, I would totally be with you on this. And I'm not saying that Patty's not a real threat. I'm not saying that. I know that's what it sounds like. Here's what I'm saying. Patty hasn't been, in his last couple of fights, hasn't been performing to the way that he should be either. Right. He's been taking fights and putting himself in positions to fight fights in ways that he shouldn't, mm-hmm. causing him to look really awful, causing people to be like the other dude that definitely won the fight. And then when he gets the decision, people are in uproar about it. If Patty can get his mind together and take this fight to where he needs to, mm-hmm. to get the kind of performance that he had prior yeah. to those last couple of fights, yeah, he should win this fight. Mm-hmm. But so should Tony. If Tony can get his fucking shit together and take the fight to where he needs to get to, especially get back, <laughs> if Patty comes in there and tries to stand up with fucking Tony and Tony's fucking able to fucking execute on it, you know what I'm saying? This thing, this thing is a fucking hodgepodge of fucking what could possibly be. Of the two of these, I think Tony has proven he's not capable of doing that. Is is my point? Yeah. And and I think I think Patty's had enough of a scare to know that. This is where I'm good. This is where he's bad. This is where I'm going to take the fight. I'm going to finish him. I'm going to get a submission. So you're going patty. I'm going patty by finish. By finish. TKO or submission. It's going to be on the ground. And it, it, it needs to be a finish. I really hope that whatever happens in this fight, that it's a finish. I definitely think that that's a smart bet to take. Um, I just... God, I would really love to see fucking Tony Ferguson <laughs> throw would. a fucking wrench in the UFC's fucking... Dude, because if Tony Ferguson... We talked about this before, but I'm just going to reiterate it for the show. If Tony Ferguson beats Patty Pimlet, like, it will fuck up the UFC's whole fucking thing with fucking Patty. And, and Patty's probably a good guy. He probably... You know, I'm not saying he deserves it. I'm just saying that, like... 
I can't stand the fucking UFC machine for fucking pushing people, especially to those kind of atrocious levels when they have fucking guys that are way more deserving of the shit. And so if fucking Tony, if Tony did it, I, it would be more of a fucking like, ha ha to me to be able to like at the UFC than it would be to Patty. Patty's a young dude. Patty could bounce back. He could fucking, you know, get his thing together and Tony could fucking ride off with his fucking one win over Patty and maybe the, everything will be okay with the world for a night. So that's, <laughs> so that's, so that's where I'm at with it. So I'm okay. not, I'm not ready to fucking close out on that, on that hope. Um, but I definitely, I definitely don't think putting money on Tony's a good thing, even though he's a fucking three to one underdog almost. No, so. don't do it guys. So moving on, um, we have Shawcott Rock Menoff gonna execute Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. No, he um, absolutely is. Yeah, seventeen fights, seventeen finishes. This yeah. is what Shawcott does. Yeah, uh, we talked about this before. Um, I've been <laughs> under the impression that uh, <clears throat> it's really hard to count out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in a stand-up fight. Predominantly, Shawcott likes to, you know keep his fights in stand-up territory, stand-up and fight Jeff Neal. What a fucking war that was. Such an awesome fight. Um, yeah, and so, you know, it makes me hesitant to want to put him as a 5-1 to one up fucking favorite over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because Wonderboy is no fucking slouch when it comes to the stand-up. But you had some good points to talk about. So, so I agree. Those odds are a little bit ridiculous. Um, Stephen Thompson has a better chance than they're giving him to win this fight. But I still don't think he's going to. I still think Shavkat wins this fight. Um, the way that he fights is the way to beat Stephen Thompson. You pressure him, you crowd him, you take away his distance, weapons, and and you make it you make it dirty. And that's what that's what Shavkat does. Yeah. And that's why that fight with Jeff Neal was so good, because Jeff Neal can handle that kind of fight. He's one of the bigger guys in the weight class. He's really strong. He hits like a Mack truck. Yeah, exactly. And he, he's a heavy and a striker, so they're going to get into the phone booth and they're going to exchange. And You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they both do a lot of damage to each other in that little small space. Yeah. Wonder Boy needs to keep the distance, needs to keep you set up, keep you with the wheel kicks and the fucking, you know, keep yeah. it all fucking working. He, he so. needs to make his reads. He needs to play his feints. He needs to build off of his previous strikes. He needs to blitz in. He needs to blitz out. Right, right. And I feel like Shavkat is a smart enough fighter, I, and he has no reason not to continue doing what he's been doing. And so, yeah, stylistically, I've got, I got Shavkat all day in this fight. Yeah, yeah. No, me too. Me too. I just don't, I just, I just, at first I was super counting out Wonderboy. When I seen this fight, I was like, oh, this was like, fucking take my money. <laughs> take, take it now, please. I want the best odds. Um, and then fucking thinking about it some more, I kind of started overthinking it a little bit. But I think you bring up a really good point. I think that where this fight is going to take place on the feet, the distance is going to dictate who favors this fight and Shavkat's going to come forward. What can Steve Winterboy Thompson realistically do to keep Shavkat at bay? Because just threatening with his fucking, you right, know, right. You, you can't karate just, style is not going to do it. You can't just faint with no, Shavkat. That's, no. he's not going to bite on that. No, he's coming straight forward. Now Thompson has good enough footwork and octagon, you know, ringsmanship mm -hmm. to keep that distance. Yeah. 
But for how long can he do that before Shavkat is getting closer and closer and closer and, and catches him? And, and here's the thing: distance. all he's got to do is fucking hurt him once. If he takes, if he gets, if he takes him down, and puts and gets on top of Steve Warnerboy Thompson in any kind of ground and pound fucking way, I really think it's going to be bad for Steven. Yeah, he's absolutely. not going to be able to do much against it. Fucking Shavkat has fucking nasty fucking ground and pound work. Yeah. I just. That I definitely can see the fight ending. I mean, if it doesn't end on the feet, because only fucking what Pettis is the only one to fucking stop to ever stop him on the feet. On the yeah. feet. Yeah. yeah. Um. So if he can't end it on the feet, if he can get him on the ground, I think he's. I think it's really fucking advantageous to take it to the ground and just finish the fight there. Agreed. So yeah. Moving on, we're getting into the championship fights. Uh, co-main event. Alexandre Pantoja versus Brandon <laughs> Rivell. Um, you know, this is almost a little bittersweet for me because we were big on Alexandre yeah. Pantoja were for a long time. Yeah. Um, even <laughs> when fucking Brandon Moreno first became the champion because fucking, you know, there we'd watch fucking the Ultimate Fighter. We knew fucking the storylines. We wanted to see the fucking the fight happen again and then um, you know, we got a chance to see the fight happen again. We both Bet on Pantoja. Oh, yeah. We both won from Pantoja, and now he's the champion. No, Pantoja is that guy. Yeah, no, know? exactly. Like, he's he, Here's the thing. Pantoja is fucking so well-rounded that it's really hard to find where he has his holes. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that's the thing about him. He's super fucking durable, tough as fucking as nails, fucking, you know, just a really excellent submission game. Um, he's, you know, a fucking true fighter through and through just fucking just just a high level really hard to find where you know um like i said where you can fucking penetrate through his defense uh he's fought brandon Royvel before he got a submission over brandon Royvel. they're having this the, this is a rematch yeah um well so and that's and, and that's why <clears throat> like you were saying this is so bittersweet because we love brandon Royvel yes, too. yes this guy's a very exciting fighter yes he's really um, not unorthodox. It's not what I'm looking for. He's, um, like you can't you 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 don't know what Brandon Royville's gonna do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's hard to prepare for him, and he uses his aggressiveness as as a weapon to like you know we're talking about Shopcott just coming forward. Brandon Royville will you know set up traps as he's moving forward and then blitz in on the traps and constantly i mean he'll kick he'll kick your fucking legs out until you can't fucking move he'll he will exploit any part that he can find to exploit he will exploit and be unmerciful with it um yeah and, and it really and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where it takes place you know yeah that's the thing about him and so the thing with you know, this fight is that one, these guys have already fought before. So they, they kind of know each other. Um, a big thing to me when I'm trying to figure out this fight in my mind of how it's going to go down. Um, two things. First off, was really happy to see Pantoja win in the fight against, um, Brandon Moreno. Me too. But I can't help, but you know, take into consideration his performance in that fight. He faded. He faded. And mm -hmm. he faded fast. And it got to the point within the last two rounds, 
I remember we were watching it, and I was like, fuck, just get the takedown, hold him. Just, fucking, <laughs> I know, I know. just get the takedown, hold yep. him. And I'm never that type never. of fucking person. Yep. But, like, I, I just knew that fucking he had he had he he didn't have anything left in the gas tank and he had done enough to get the decision up to that point and i just didn't want him to keep standing on the feet with moreno and give moreno a chance to get back into the fight yep. and um and so yeah and and that stuck with me is that like okay like this is a guy that has fucking been fighting for a long time um you know he's showing his he's weathered and not only that but then a bigger indication of that was after he won the title last time um, in his post-fight speech, uh, he was he made you know that uh, comment. He was like, you know, Dad, are you proud proud of me now? You know, and it and it was, um, you know, pretty um, haunting um, to hear that. Just because, like, you know, it, it, you know the level of uh, you know that fucking he's probably been fighting his whole life, mm-hmm. and this is something that you know has been on his conscience that whole time. And he gets to the point to be a champion and he makes that kind of statement. You you can tell where that kind of pain, how deep that kind of pain comes from in him. But the other thing that I know about, you know, that kind of stuff is that like once you get to a point of, you know, being able to actually deal with it, it, it it's it's motivation that you use to then push you. And especially as you get older you know, like you pour that out of you, you can't, it's hard to get that back inside. It's right. hard to get that drive back inside. It's hard to be that hungry back inside because you go through things and you deal with things and then, and right. it changes you. You know what I'm saying? Right. You've used it all this time to push you and motivate you. And now you're at to a point where you've dealt with it yes. and you're at peace with it. Yeah. And so now it no longer pushes you and motivates you. So are you the same person? Are you the same fighter? Do you have the same That you drive? always have been before exactly. when you were this guy coming up because yeah. you had this fucking 10-pound chip on your back that you had to fight just to get here. Right. And now you're a lot more at peace. And and that's a big point that we've talked a lot about the mental game of fighting that you see happen all the time. When fighters get to a point where they become at peace with themselves or with a lot of other things, it changes like that intensity, that killer instinct, a mm-hmm. lot of that stuff inside of them to like still do that because you know it's like that's part of like what they're fighting every day to push themselves to you know all the training to do it to drive them to continue on this fucking you know path of life it's like you know and so and that was a big indication to me about that and thinking about that and moving forward and you know seeing you know the the trajectory and the fucking just viciousness of brandon royvel coming up i mean there is not there's not one other person in this division that is more well-rounded and has a more like fucking steel-clad fucking offense and defense put together than Alexander Pantoja. That's why he got to this point and got up to the title right. and fucking all the rest of that. But also, you know, um I just think that we're at that point, we're at that crux where we're really going to see if he can still hold on to it and you know, against and and, and here's the other thing. Against fucking Moreno, we saw that he didn't necessarily, you know, he was losing his gas tank. And Moreno already had his mental thing to deal with, losing to Pantoja twice. Yeah. And still, you know what I'm saying, couldn't capitalize. Uh, so that's where we come to fucking Roy Vell. 
I think that he's younger. I think he's more aggressive. And not only that, but I really believe in the team that he has behind him and his coaching staff. He's the the same the same coach that he has, Chris Gutierrez has, had in, in his right, last fight. Right. And the dude was giving him fucking sound information, was giving right. him fucking the right, you know what I'm saying? Chris just was choosing not to fucking uh, yeah, Chris, accept it. Yeah, Chris was not in... <clears throat> A good state of mind for a fighter. He yeah. wasn't receptive to any input. He wasn't receptive to any criticism. He could not get out of his own way yeah. in that fight. I don't see that being a problem for Brandon Royval. Now, on paper, as, for, as skill for skill as it goes, Alexandre Pantoja should win this fight. Yeah, he is yeah. for all intents and purposes the better fighter. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But what Brandon Royval brings to this is because he's so unpredictable. He can create where other fighters can't. Yeah. Fighters that are so technically sound aren't necessarily as good at creating, you know, cracks and chinks in defense as fighters like Brandon Royville are. Yeah, yeah. Because Brandon Royville's gonna get you he's gonna get you to do something you don't normally do. Yeah. And as soon as you do that, that's when Brandon Royville can capitalize. Yeah. Like like you know better, but he's throwing so much weird stuff at you and making these interesting transitions from striking to takedown to you know, rolls, Imanari rolls, or whatever he feels like he's going to do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a position that you didn't practice because you weren't prepared for it. And, and and that's when you leave yourself open. Yeah. So that's where I could see Brandon taking this. And that, and, and he needs to fight like that if he's going to have a chance to beat Pantoja. Yeah, no, exactly. And and that's how Brandon Royville fights. Like, you know, we talked about before, like – he is constantly setting up those fucking those aggressive traps, not from a defensive set, from an offensive set, putting the pressure on you, putting you in a position where you have to enact this way or that way to it, and then capitalizing on whichever way you enact, right? He fucking tra- tracks you down like that. Normally, with Alexander Pantoja, his style is the perfect to negate that because no matter how you try to track him, he's going to be better at those spots than you are. The problem that I see with it is that, like, he's gotten older and fucking he has not been able to fucking keep that same kind of level of stamina intensity. And fucking, you know, if if he can't submit Royville or he can't fucking figure out a way to get Royville out of there, I think that the longer the fight goes, the more chances Royville's going to have right. to put it on Pantoja and the less chances that Pantoja is going to be able to deal with it. And eventually he's going to end up getting caught. Yeah. So... Yeah, so I, I long-winded answer. I like Roy Bell in this. So <laughs> all right, um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I don't, I don't feel like I want to bet against Pantoja. Yeah, um, for all the analysis that we've laid down and all the, you know, paths to victory for each one of these fighters, I don't have it in me to bet against Pantoja in this yeah, fight. Yeah, no, I mean it's, it's uh, probably a smart bet. I'll be honest with you. Um, and then moving on to the main event, Leon Edwards putting his title on the line against Colby Covington. Colby, maybe not the most deserving. Um, <laughs> no, but no, definitely not the most <laughs> deserving. But uh, not even know, close. You know, if I can. He's I don't know. he's one and two in his last three fights. Yeah, he uh, followed the Conor McGregor fucking <laughs> way up, and you know. Like yeah, he did what he needed to to get there, and now he gets his fucking title shot. The dudes fought once a year, every, once a year for like the past four or five years, and um, this is his first time. 
fighting in 2023. You realize that. Yeah. At the end of the fucking year, right? Yes. So, um, and he only fought once in 2022, and it yeah. was early, and yeah. it was Masvidal. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Whereas Leon um, has gone and fought Kamar Usman, who is being considered maybe the greatest welterweight to that point, knocked him out in the first fight, and then, you know, beat him in the second fight by decision, uh, soundly. Um, so that's, that's where we find ourselves with this. So, yeah. Um, I think, I think the odds are pretty right on here. Um, Leon Edwards being the champ, being the more active fighter, um, being able to beat Kamaru Usman twice where Colby Covington couldn't lost to him twice. Uh, yeah, he should be the, the betting favorite. I'm not counting Colby Covington out, though. Like, Colby Covington finds a way to outwork people. Yeah. Like, he's not particularly good at anything. You know, he doesn't excel at anything. He just, he outworks you. And he transitions from striking to making you think about wrestling, and he's clinching you, and maybe he gets a takedown, and maybe he's not. But this whole time, you're expending more energy than he is. And he just, he's forcing you to work, and he's racking up points. And and that becomes difficult for people to deal with. Yeah. No, exactly. The only way you beat Colby Covington is by punishing him. Exactly. You know, you exactly. have to take it out of him because he's going to continue to come forward. So you have to take it out of him, mm-hmm. which then, you know, because even if he continues to come forward, like in the Usman fights, right. you know, it's like there's there's just no, there's he, nothing to it there's no. nothing to coming forward anymore because you're just gonna you just keep getting punished so yeah. it makes it easy to be able to tell how to win um yeah and you know i think that as far as the striking goes i think that leon's the you know the better of the striking he's a far superior um, i think that you know he's worked a lot on his ground game i think he showed that with usman i think he's probably only worked on it more since then um his takedown defense and the rest of it uh, we talked about it before. I'm really interested to see what version of Colby Covington we see. Right. There's been times, you know, because Colby's only fought once a year, that there's been times like when he fought Robbie Lawler where he showed like new wrinkles in his game and like maybe this is a time where we're going to get to see another new wrinkle in Colby's game. You know, maybe he has been working on some stuff and um, we'll get to see something new. Um, all things considered, if we don't see anything new, I like Leon Edwards in this fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a hard time counting Colby Covington out. He's he's beat too many people I never thought he'd beat. He's beat too many people that I didn't even think he was a better fighter than. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. And, he, and yeah, he probably wasn't. But the thing is, is that it's not about fighting. It becomes a war of attrition. You know what I'm saying? If Leon can make it a war of attrition, yes. No, 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 no exactly. I'm saying with Colby. Okay. I'm saying when he fought those other guys. It right. wasn't maybe that he was the better fighter. It's right. just that... You know, what do they say? Um, fucking um, endurance makes cowards of us all. If you right. just fucking take somebody and drown them out of all their fucking, you know, will and their fucking energy, then, right. you know what I'm saying? That's how you win, mm-hmm. you know? And he's been really good at that. Um, and so I just, I think that Leon's going to fucking punish him for it. Unless we see something different. We see something different. You know, maybe. I, I don't. I, I think you're right. I think he has, I think. Leon has the edge. It's not just that Colby Covington doesn't fight very often. It's literally been like 18 months. Yeah. yeah. Since he's last fought. Yeah. And that's tough to overcome. And, it, yeah, especially at the very top of the exactly. division. You exactly. know what I'm saying? Because so much happens. So yeah. much. It, this sport evolves so fucking fast. Just look at Leon Edwards in his last three fights. Diaz, he was one fighter. 
First fight with Usman was one fighter. He got that knockout. He became a different fighter. The second fight with Usman, completely different fighter. Yeah. The fighter that we're going to see this Saturday is going to be even different than that one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how the fucking sport evolves. Colby, I haven't seen anything in his last couple fights to show that he has made an evolutionary change. Maybe he has. We haven't seen him. We yeah. don't know. There's an X factor there. But if, uh, but all things considered, I know that fucking Leon's going to make those changes. I know he's been working on them. And so that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's 296 for you guys. Okay. So let's get these fucking bets out of the way. And then <laughs> we're fucking, we are done. So, we're outy. Yeah. So you want to go first? You want me to go first? How you want to do it? Where you, where's your, where's your bets? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm betting everything on one Archuleta. In <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Ryzen fight? The Ryzen main event? <laughs> no, no, no. They, I don't even know if fucking they'll take fuck money on the fucking I've Ryzen never fight. seen anybody have yeah. odds on Ryzen fights. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I... <clears throat> I mean, the odds on Rachmaninoff aren't worth betting on, in my opinion. Right. Um, so Unless you parlay it. Unless you parlay, if you want to do a three or four fighter parlay, even if they're all favorites, you can usually get pretty good odds. All you need is one underdog. That's what I'm telling you. You get one underdog, you get a couple of fucking favorites, it boosts those up, it makes it worth it, it takes a 10 to a couple hundred, you know, that's all I'm saying. You just got to find the right one. That's the, that's the key. Which one of these underdogs is going to take it? Yeah. Um, yeah, scroll down a little bit, because I'm thinking... Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm thinking I'm probably gonna end up taking Alonzo Menafield. Damn. I know. I know. Fuck Dustin Jacoby. It's not. It's not about <laughs> that. It's just the odds are good. He has the power yes. to end it. Yes. No. All that's true. That is all true. And if I'm gonna bet on an underdog, I want to bet on a heavy hitter. You know? Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. I think. I think it's smart. I really do. Um, yeah. And even I don't know what the odds are. They haven't put them up yet for no. Uh, for. Uh, no decision, you know, in that fight. That'd, that'd be a good be, bet. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, yeah, as far as all things considered, um, underdogs, I've got two that I like on this card. Um, I like Josh Emmett over Bryce Mitchell. God, I keep forgetting he's the underdog in that yeah, fight. Yeah, I like Josh Emmett over Bryce Mitchell for all the reasons we talked about before. Um, he is a plus 40 to a negative 166 from Bryce Mitchell. Um, I expect that to kind of sway more over the next couple days. So if you can, put it in now. Um, and I also like Brian Keller over Cody Garbrandt. Um, I just think that there's still a lot of questions left in Cody Garbrandt. And um, for if, if it was more of a pick em, it, that's how I see the fight. Mm -hmm. So I like Kelleher. And that, and um, and then yeah, and then throw some of these other fights on there and call it a night. Be careful. There's some fucking big holes on the card, and you may it may entice you to want to put together like I don't know a Tony and a Vincent for like fucking <laughs> yeah. five or something, you know? Because that's some crazy odds. But just saying, just saying, we've seen some crazy shit, so you never fucking know anymore. So. Yeah, I mean that. You know what? If I had. It might might be worth putting both those guys on a parlay and putting five bucks on it. Yeah. Because if it because if they both won, that that'd pay out pretty good. It probably would. It probably would. You know. Um. Yeah. So. Anyways, that is that, and with that, we will call it a do. 
So. See you next year, guys. All right. <laughs> this has been Snapcast.